Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Thursday, February 29th, 2024. Thank you for joining me today. A pretty somber discussion today, as I guess it's been for quite a while now. But the conversation today is of a, in particular, a massacre that recently happened uh, today, in fact. And it's a heart-wrenching story just to see the combination of just the same thing we've been dealing with for for months now. The, the soulless genocide of innocent people that have nothing to do with what's going on. But now to target a starvation, you know, to to utilize the starvation campaign in such a way to drive people to desperation, to seek out food that they're already to the point of desperation seeking out and then to attack them in that process. It's, you know, it's the level of depravity in this conversation is day by day becoming difficult to to, to grasp and to, to really deal with. Let me adjust something very quickly before we get started. Did I fix it? Good. A little bit. I'm not sure why that's glitching, but in any case, <clears throat> we're going to talk about a few things today. One particular, the focus, the thing that I really wanted to make sure people didn't miss was the conversation around what's been called the flower massacre on Twitter and elsewhere today. And it's in regard to aid trucks that were delivering flour, among other things, at least in regard to the stuff that we were able to see. And I'll get into why I say that when we talk about it. There's some suspicion I have about what this is really about other than the guise of aid, but that these trucks were brought in admittedly by the representative by Israel, seeing as how every other aid group has already said they have nothing to do with this. They're not even bringing trucks in. They're not able to either because of the risk, because they're being shot at by Israel, because they're being held back by Israel. We'll go over all this today. It's a, it's one of the most obvious parts of this conversation. And the worst part is you get people online and the other sycophants defending the Zionist genocide Screaming that they're not just not doing that, but the other side of we're bringing so much aid we don't even know what to do with. And Egypt is stopping it. Hamas is stealing it. The UN is lying about it. Now, sure, those are all possible, except when you literally have mountains of evidence, testimonials, video, everybody else involved saying the opposite. I mean, it's that disgusting that we're still dealing with this blatant on the surface, not just like differing of evidence, but all the truth, the evidence, the facts, the statements, narratives, and then just Israel saying otherwise. And yet somehow that pulling the conversation in that direction from people with actual authority, people with actual influence, you know, because, you know, well, you can decide for why they might choose to ignore all the evidence in lieu of a government narrative while committing genocide. You know, there's lots of reasons people will destroy their narrative and their own reputation and their own political career just to support this. I mean, it's, I think you get the point. But not only that discussion, but around it all, unparalleled amounts of lies that will break down today. That's one of the carry points throughout the whole show is just like on the record, immediate. And obviously the flower massacre part of it, that's one of them and all these other aspects of it. And that's not even getting into the ones you all know by now, the Hannibal Directive conversation, the atrocity propaganda. Those are staggeringly obvious elements of this massive deception. We're going to talk specifically about the representatives in some cases are just people online that are very prominent aspects of lying about all of this and show you that we're the deliberate misrepresentation taking hot button topics and just vomiting lies about it all over knowing that they can't back this up and just continuing to do this 
while people are literally starving to death, while those lies continue to allow that to happen. It's just, God, this whole thing is just so, I, I was going to go into a part today, I don't, I'm going to put it off to another show, about, it's a, it's a Jewish girl that put out a clip about why she's having, like, almost, like, near, like, mental breakdown level stress about how this is all happening, how she can see this is genocide, how she doesn't understand how people can't, and how it's causing this divide between people she in her community. And 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 then she just it's it's important to see that it's not just, you know, that they'll frame as the racists who are pointing this out. I mean, it's literally everybody, guys. It is people who are actively okay with allowing this because they either hate Palestinians, they're inherent racist, they're bigoted upbringing, or whatever it is, but that is a small portion of what the world is dealing with right now. And I, I've never seen it like this, truly. And I think it's kind of a cascading thing. I said similar things about COVID and I meant it. And story by story, we're continuing to see their loss of control around these narratives. And a lot of what they're doing, I think, is designed to scare, you know, force, drive us back into somehow blindly taking these narratives. They're good with the two-party illusionists. Those guys are all about it. They'll take the narratives, no problem, as long as you spin it in a way that makes it seem like it's either against the other side or somehow advantageous for their side. It's just, you know, childish, petty dynamics that aim at the lowest common denominator of human society or what we are as a people that we're willing to, you know, anyway, the point is that those people will go along with those narratives, no problem. But mo most people today, I think, and again, this is kind of my nod to the fact that I don't believe most people are still taking are taken by the two-party illusion. That's my hope. But all of this is to say that the lies are powerful if you're choosing to take a side as opposed to engage honestly, moment by moment, talking point by talking point, and decide that, you know, whether you think it's true, honest, whether it needs to be put aside for more investigation. That's not what we see today in a very large way. Now, of course, we'll have a couple of other things we'll get into around this, but I think it's important to, oh, and, and obviously the one other main point in the title today, which we're going to get into early, which is really just kind of an acknowledgement point. There's not too much to go into in depth, at least today. I, I plan on doing more of an in-depth point by point by this article they had, but there's so much information. I wanted to get these other points in today, but that's the International Court of Justice and a forensic investigation around what Israel presented shocking i know showing you that they lied about what they put forward not like oopsie we misunderstood this but like deliberate misrepresentations about what they claimed they were showing just like the atrocity propaganda just like everything you're seeing right now and that just the reason i that that's included with the ongoing display of the how many lies we're going to talk about today now i'm going to start with a quick point about google twitter and a couple other points i wanted to include just think this is interesting, and this speaks to a, very, a much larger point about where we're going with artificial intelligence, and or really, I mean, it, you could look at it either way. Artificial intelligence and how that can be abused, or the illusion of that, where we really just have the same old lying manipulators pulling all the strings Wizard of Oz style behind. Either way, it's a great example of how this is going to manipulate, and already is, as uh, Olga points out. Here's everything you need to know about Google AI. It's the same thing we see on Twitter, where you can say, just to put up, type out the terms, American terrorism, British terrorism, any other terrorism. And then you write Israeli terrorism, and that gets flagged and, and censored and suppressed. Everyone, it's, I've seen four examples of it. In any case, this says, was Russia right to invade Germany? Going back, you know, old into the World War II. And it says, no, Russia was not right to invade Germany in World War II. Here's why. Interesting, right? In World War II. World War II. Like, we're talking about a time when the, 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 the side was very different than what it is today. The, they were both fighting the bad guys in the conversation as we were, you know, are told it. 
And yet, weirdly, the, the AI would say Russia's wrong for doing the thing that was in the interest of fighting. Interesting, right? But that's because of the today framing. So it shows you the AI strings being pulled by, or rather the way to look at it is, it's all about the data being inputted. Even if it isn't a, a algorithmic you know, breakdown, if you're inputting slanted data, it's going to get a slanted result. And that's true here. And it, it's, there's four points here. Was the U.S. right to invade Germany? Like literally the same conversation. And it says whether the U.S. was right to invade Germany during World War II is a complex issue with no easy answer. Really? I mean, how is it? See, my, see, the point is ridiculously obvious. And then it says, was Russia right to invade Ukraine? Of course, obviously, you know where that's going to go. No, Russia's invasion of Ukraine was wrong. Violation of the law was the U.S. right to invade Iraq, right? So let's just be clear before I even read that for the podcast. Across the board, despite all of the bleeding and screaming of the partisan nonsense and the people in the corporate media, the same way they're speaking about Israel, but the world sees it differently, everybody understands that Iraq was a full... I mean, WMDs were a lie. We can now prove that they knew they were a lie and murdered 500,000 children and even said it was worth it. Like way, way, way worse than what we're framing it as comparatively to Ukraine. The difference is that it's about framing Ukraine as being, or Russia being the big boogeyman. The point is, was it was the U.S. right to invade Iraq? And it says the same equivocating thing. Well, well, it was one of the most controversial events, and there's no simple right or wrong answer. She's made a great point here, 100%. It's not consistent is the main point, guys. And that's not supposed, artificial intelligence is not supposed to be politically driven, obviously. So either that's not really what it looks like, or it is just the same thing about wrong data. The point is, this will be used to mislead us, and it already is, and Twitter's doing the same thing. We gotta stop goose-stepping into this future that, you know, this. well, I'll pick the right-wing version of the future. No, they're all bad, guys. They're all bad. On that note, I wanted to make a a point that I think you guys will all appreciate and enjoy. Right now, we are broadcasting on the Albert Pratt channel, I think. I forget. I haven't really been switching it up lately for pirate streams because I just get I've been lazy, I guess. I don't get tired of moving it and switching it around. And on that note, for those that don't know what we're doing, after we got censored on YouTube, like the official second time, I think it was the, the main channel and the backup, I think it was over 100,000 subscribers on the main, we started doing what we call pirate streams. I'm not going to go into it too deep because it's, you know, we've talked about it many times. If you don't know what it is, the reason we're even still on YouTube is because people send us their credentials with channels that they know could very well get censored. That's and that, that I make that very clear. They just want to help. It's like a pirate radio concept or the Matrix, right? Broadcasting our pirate pirate signal. That's what this is. So we can still reach people on YouTube without playing the dumb YouTube game while they build it up and then censor it again. I've gone through probably fifty plus channels since then, and I've, I keep saying that number. I'm probably way past that at this point. And you guys see it that follow this. We're on a new one, you know, every so often. Lately, it's been the one because they haven't really been censoring the the newest channel we've got. Albert, whoever that is, sent that to me or the person who made it. The point being, we've been doing it for a while. James Corbett started doing it. I believe Richard Grove is also now doing it because we've all been censored. I'm I'm proud to say that I invented this concept of you know the circumventing the concept, which was kind of taboo before I started doing it, and it still is. My point in bringing it up today. I've been talking about this a lot and saying I know that they're aware of this. I know because of the way they've engaged with it, the kind of weird behind-the-scenes actions, but I have the first example that I know for sure, that they are, in fact, aware of this process and, even better, have taken a brand-new step in order to stop what little Ryan Christian created. Think about how great that is, that Google, a massive platform, if not one of the, if not the largest company in the world, probably not that far. I mean, I don't know if that's the case or not, but Google being one of, for sure, 
has now stepped this up. And this was one of the recent pirate channels I just start, I tried to do today. And it says, guess what? Your restrict access is restricted. And it hasn't been censored. Like, we haven't gotten strikes and censorship and all that. Hadn't even gotten one yet. What it says here is interesting. It says, it looks like this account was created or used with multiple other accounts to violate Google policies. Hooray! That is a win for all of us, guys. We should all be high-fiving that we, as a small community on, online, have literally caused Google to change their practices to stop our ability to broadcast through onto their platform when they don't want us to, which means, one, they know it's happening, and two, they don't like it. I love it. So I just want you guys to say, just be proud of yourselves for actually having an effect on one of the largest companies in the world trying to subjugate you and trying to spy on you. And we're finding ways to circumvent their control. Hooray! Nonetheless, I want you guys to realize we're going to keep doing this. And I want you to know that if you're out there and you have a pirate channel... Oh, uh, okay, good. I'm still showing it. If you, Or rather, you have a channel that you don't care about or you want to go out there and start up a new G Gmail account and make a whole bunch of new channels and get them set up for live and send them to me, please do. Send me an email, ryan at thelastamericanvagabond.com and put in the subject, TLAV Pirate Channel or Pirate Channel or Pirate whatever. And I'll, I'll find it in my emails, even though we're buried. And I will keep doing this. But I love, and here's just the other one, same thing, that they know this and they're trying to stop it. I love it. So just be proud of that. And for those that want more information, you can just look up Pirate Stream on, uh, well, actually, I take that back. You'll probably get our Pirate Stream media content on the, on the last American vagabond, which if you haven't heard of that is a, a new gr platform. We're kind of growing in the background is slow, slow boil. Uh, actually, by the way, on that note, I'm getting all over the place. I just spoke to Catherine Austin Fitz today where she was organizing her schedule. And we're trying to fit a date where all three of us are going to connect and, and do a, a pirate episode with her as the third chair. So as you guys know, uh, Scott has left the, the pirate team and it's now going to be sort of a third mic shuffle up. So if you guys are out there and you want to join, let me know. And somebody gave me the great idea, actually, of potentially using the screen behind me as like a, you know, remote in third mic concept. So maybe we'll do that too. Any case, more coming your way on that note. But if you want to be part of that, reach out to me and uh, search for that and you can be part of it. Now, on that same note of censorship, Robert Inlakesh points out, I know, surprise, surprise, we're all completely shocked. YouTube has completely removed his channel. No strikes, nothing, just taking it down. Why? Because he dares to tell the truth about Palestine. All of his content on, on, on Palestine, number of documentaries, and one thing to show you just about how much reach this topic really has, even though it's clearly being downplayed by all the platforms, Robert Inlakesh has 26,000 followers, right? Which he should have monumentally more than that, by the way. Make sure you follow him. Look at how much this has gotten shared. Look at the reach on this. Let's update it. It's got 16, 14,000 likes. Pretty sure that just said 16. In any case, 14,000 likes, 6.9 thousand retweets. Think of that. The point is, people care about this. They know he's doing good work and he's being suppressed for it. Now, on that note, just a couple of opening points still. I wanted to make sure you saw this. I think this is important in the two party illusion conversation. I mean, this is a really minor point. And honestly, you could just say that his mind has changed about rap music over the years. But I just wanted to use this as a segue to make sure you understand that those actively leaning into the two-party illusion, in my opinion, are dishonest by default, whether or they admit to it, admit it to themselves or not. Now, it's not meant to be a knock on people who are, I mean, I could have framed it a little bit differently to make it sound like everyone's intentionally doing so. My point is that People may not realize that they're leaning ways or obfuscating certain things or choosing not to look at big topics because it aligns with their group or their community. I mean, we all have confirmation bias. It's just that within the two-party illusion, people's confirmation bias win the day. It overtakes their logic in most cases. We all see it. 
Come on, we all know it. Except in some cases, the the paradigm just only decides to acknowledge it on the other side of the paradigm. It's just crazy to me. Anyway, the point is, it's an old tweet. Defiant L's always making fun of specifically liberals, even though the same kind of contradictions are on all sides of the crazy two-party illusion. It simply shows an image for uh, a tweet from 2012 where he says, fact, rap music isn't music. And if you think it is, you're stupid. And then you know where this is going. His really embarrassing not rap song, but it was ultimately a rap. He tried to be rapping. Basically, it was his, it was his song literally called Facts. I love how it says fact. Rap music isn't music. But here's my rap song called Facts. <laughs> he just can't make that up. It's his parody of himself. But anyway, the point is two-party illusion. I hope we can see through it by now. I had a great interview with Dane Wigington. I know this is my second interview with him. And it's so funny to me how people are so reflexively angry about, you know, they have their chosen person in certain topics and they talk to him and you're just ignoring that. And it's like, it's funny to me that people, I loved, I think Dane's intelligent, wildly intelligent. And he highly underappreciated for his amazing work. Doesn't mean I agree with him on everything. And, and, but nonetheless, it's amazing to me that people have failed to recognize today that interviews are supposed to be not necessarily contentious, but that too in some cases, but they're supposed to be controversial. That's not even the right word, but you're supposed to challenge ideas. You're supposed to interview people like the same point with Putin and Tucker. Obviously, that shouldn't have been a big, crazy thing. It should have been a normal thing. That's what you're supposed to do. And if you want my honest opinion, he should have asked a lot more different questions. Either way, the point is, it's important to realize that interviewing people are not, it's not supposed to be just people who are on your side or agree with what you already think. In fact, it's supposed to be the opposite. And then some of both, really. I only say that because it's interesting, the response that I get from people in, in many cases where it's as if you're interviewing people like it's supposed to represent your entire worldview based on one exact one point or one question. It's interesting to me. And it isn't even about this interview in particular. I just think it's interesting how much partisanship plays a role in that. But it's an important conversation that right now suddenly has gotten a lot of more revived attention. Like I've seen a lot of these bigger accounts who rarely touch this topic suddenly start talking about it, which is great. I think it's good. But a little bit feels limited hangout in a lot of ways. That it's, it's not the full picture. But nonetheless, I'm glad that it's getting more attention. And by the way, I wasn't even referencing who was on the screen right now. Actually, I'm glad that he posted this out. I'm just saying that in a general sense. Anomaly shares this saying, California admits to cloud seeding to make it rain more. And then the LA Times calls it an unfounded conspiracy theory. This was important for the rest of the show to realize the same exact thing we're going to show you throughout Israel's conversation, or by the way, just any other majorly contentious topic where, that you're being lied to about. Pretty much everything in your life. But it says, he says, I'm glad the LA Times is getting crushed and they have no f to fire employees. But this is how dumb this is. So first of all, cloud seeding is not a conspiracy theory. Neither is geoengineering, even though they're not the same thing. Both of them get manipulated. But when it comes down to it in historical conversations, if you're pointing at, you know, what we would call air stratospheric aerosol injection or varying degrees of it, which is geoengineering. Yeah, they used to say, no, that's just cloud seeding conspiracy theory. It's not the same thing. But then in other conversations, it'd be cloud seeding is also fake because that's all conspiracy theory. The point is, it's all been real. And that's just varying misunderstandings of people that don't realize they're being played and just take the talking point. But this is a post from 2024. Social weather officials, and this is ABC News, test cloud seeding. Shouldn't shock you guys. This is Cloud seeding is way older than any part of this conversation in an effort to increase regions, rains, and water supply. So it's a, a basic, obvious thing. You just shouldn't need the headline to know that's real. And his point is, here it is on 20, February 24th, the same year, the late LA Times, the latest unfounded conspiracy theory. Cloud seeding is to blame for California storms. Now, 
in the story, they're almost they're in a way making it sound like cloud seeding is fake. But really, the way they play this good old fact checking conspiracy game is to take the other point as if you know, well, it didn't cause the storms and flooding. Not to say that cloud seeding is fake, but they they play that game and they carry it to make you think it's all fake. Or really, the title skimmers, as I call them, which is a lot of people today, will read that and think fake news. But it's real. And it's not just cloud seeding. Straight up geoengineering has been going on for decades. And that's what Dane and I have talked about in many different interviews. But it's painfully obvious. Now, in other news, Derek put up a really important article today in regard to, or excuse me, yeah, today, in regard to the fact check of the fluoride conversation because he's been doing such great work, getting such a far reach on this conversation that they've had to fact check it, which of course means they have to lie about it, which is what that job really is. But and that's if you read this, it's painful. Like it's embarrassingly obvious, like all the rest of their line towing nonsense that they're lying and they know they're lying or they don't even care. It's about about making sure you're enforcing the establishment narrative. But he goes through and artfully breaks this down using actual testimony from the court case they just had from the hearing there, the the lawsuit they literally went through and even using the EPA's own testimony to show you that what they're saying in this supposed fact check is straight up lying. That's how crazy everything is right now. But thank God people are seeing through it. On that note, this is another study that came out in January of last year. Fluoride exposure causes behavioral, molecular, and physiological changes, in this case, in the zebrafish they were testing it on. Now, there's not a direct core overlap to humans, but the point is there is something. And there is this being shown in the actual discussion that was just had. There's a lot of this. They just don't care. And the point they keep making, don't forget, the EPA is right now actively fighting to keep what they know is dangerous in your water, which, quite frankly, is how you should look at their actual job. Dr. Sam uh, Sote is the person I saw this from. He shared this today. Thank you for sharing that. Pretty sure I shared that, actually, but I guess not. And then lastly, on the opening point, I just want to say this to make sure we see how, uh, again, the point generally today being just blatantly lying about very obvious things or this whole dynamic beginning to collapse, showing the reality of what they are. This this closed TV a few days ago, first Sweden, now Denmark, just closed their investigation into the Nord Stream pipeline blast. They concluded that it was sabotage, but there was, quote, no basis for pursuing a criminal case. Gee, I wonder why. Well, we found out that it was sabotage, so we know the U.S. lied about it, and we know that the U.S. was, well, never mind. We're going to turn up, we're going to stop the investigation because there's just no basis for pursuing. Right. Despite the fact that literally everybody knows what actually happened and all the evidence points in one direction, and there's already been a very clear investigation from Seymour Hirsch based on the preliminary evidence, but let's just stop it because you can't bite the hand that feeds you. We get it. We get it. But that's the crazy part about this. The illusion of their altruism is dissolving day by day. That's not to suggest that the adversaries of them also are, you know, good guy, bad guy. I think they're all out there to try to steal and rob and do what they want at your expense. That's what government is, if you want my honest opinion, but you guys can decide for yourselves. But it says, we do not live in the world many think we do, but we can. We certainly can. Rules-based international order? Hardly. That is what's leading to this. So let's talk about Gaza. Again, these images that I think are important just for understand what we're staring at. What you're seeing is people that put these out to demonstrate how bad this is. And then you'll get these regularly shared by the Eli Davids of the world to, tr- to try to kind of capitalize on how crazy this is and try to make it into, well, I guess you shouldn't have gone after our people and, you know, F around and find out. Like, literally, that's what he shares. Like, that's the exact sentiment from today. I just am paraphrasing what he said. And so are, are you still pretending it was only about Hamas then? I mean, they just can't stop exposing what they really are. 
at the very least, whether you think Palestinians at large are all responsible, however, that's still collective punishment. It's still a war crime. I mean, people like Eli David are probably never going to be held accountable for how much they're actually causing genocide right now. It'll ultimately only fall on the governments, but he should be. I mean, for what people like that are, are by and large the ones dragging this thing forward. But the point is, this is how wild it is. If for the podcast, you're looking at a before and after. And it is, I mean, just so it's clear, you're looking at a massive, a massive civilian street, a five, what, what is that? A eight lane, two sided highway with massive buildings on either side. On the right, you look, it's dirt as far as the eye can see. Now explain to me how that is going after Hamas. Was it necessary to go after him in, in going after only Hamas to not only bomb the locations, to not only destroy the entire building, to not, not only remove all the foundation and then not only plow the ground flat? That, but, but, that, but necessarily, you get where I'm going with this. Was, is it's obviously not just about Hamas. Weirdly, it looks almost as if you're building new construction setups. But I know that's just a coincidence, right? No, it's not. We'll get into that last part of the show. This, this is planned. They have construction lined up. They have that plans lied out. They have ministers already promoting this. I just don't know why we can't have an, I mean, if you have people in the world, if you've got ministers and, and, and leaders of the world and the UN, everybody else who is acknowledging genocide, why can't one of them, just one of them stand up and say, we all know what's happening. They have plans. They've discussed it. Ben Gavir was literally dancing at the conference about making new settlements and they've already flattened most of what we're talking about here. Northern Gaza is gone. So it's obvious that they're not going to do what they're saying they're going to do. They are building settlements. That's illegal. We all know it. They're telling you. But no, that doesn't happen. How is that possible? It makes me worry that all the groups that are pretending they're seeing what's going on are just trying to lie about something else down the line. But either way, it's still important to highlight that they're telling you the truth, at least right now. But my God, how is it not this obvious? That is an entire world that has been destroyed. Murder, genocide, everything. And, and all we can do is act like, well, human shields. Right, there must have been a lot of human shields to destroy it down to the dirt. Well, here's Cuts News Network highlighting that this image that we saw, right, this image that was very powerful. You remember this? It was actually a drone footage that was powerful. It, got, it, went, it went viral. Showing you that it wasn't just this one house in this one corner. Showing you that it was literally Block after block after block after block that is like flattened, gone, destroyed. And that's why it's so insulting to pretend like they were deciding which one and only going after this. And then you look, it's all of it. So clearly, either every single location everywhere in all of Gaza is all Hamas, and they're not even saying that, or you're just flattening the entire area, right? Well, guess what? Only one week after he took this photo, journalist Abdallah El Haj, who works for UNRWA, was traced by Israel's military and targeted. That's what happens because you're not allowed to expose the reality. His nephew was killed in the same strike and both his legs were amputated and he is now in critical condition. But, you know, democracy, right? No evidence, no court, no trial, no human rights. Just, oh, you don't, we you took a picture we don't like? You work for UNRWA, so we're just going to assume that you're Hamas, even though literally no evidence has verified any of that. And now even the U.S. has said that, even Canada has said that. They floated the lie about UNRWA and just moved forward. And guess what? The U.S. still stopped funding it. So they still got what they wanted, even though even the U.S. has said, well, we don't have any evidence to back it up. But we're sure as hell going to continue helping to starve children. And this is what's so unnerving about this. This is coming out from today. The U.S. wants Israeli written assurances that on using U.S. weapons in Gaza, we won't break the law. 
This is this is a real thing. This, it, it, are we in kindergarten? Biden saying, pretty please, just sign this piece of paper that says, I promise I won't do bad things. Oh, sure, I'll sign that. Are we good? Can I go back to bombing children and illegally displacing an entire civilization? As long as I sign right here? Okay, good. I mean, really? Are we this naive? Literally, this is what it says. The Biden administration gave Israel until mid-March to sign a letter. So first of all, I guess technically second of all, signing a letter. That's it. That's all you need. As if we don't have, so first of all, I guess I can't stop saying that. I guess secondarily in the middle of this and a first of all point within that, (laughs) the point is this happened for five months or four and a half or whatever it is. So by signing the document, are you now acknowledging that you know he's been committing war crimes? Why would he need to sign a document saying I won't commit crimes before you will give him more weapons if he hasn't been committing crimes? That's a little bit of a ridiculous point, isn't it? You're admitting that you know he committed crimes on the record. And as long as he signs this piece of paper, because he's totally honest, because his word means everything, right? Because it's not like he's lied about literally everything his entire career as a politician. Yeah, I feel a little bit hyperbole, not literally everything, but who knows? But major things that we can prove about funding Hamas, about two-state solution, about murdering people, about multiple indictments, but let's let him sign this document and we're good. But the thing is, I was going to say next, but we'll give him until the middle of March. Because, you know, it'll take a month and a half, half a month to kind of figure out whether or not he wants to stop committing crimes, right? I mean, does that make sense to anybody? You're committing genocide. The world court has said you're committing genocide. Everybody else acknowledges that, including the UN and human rights groups and everybody. And now even the US is meekly walking back and they go, please sign this because we know you're committing crimes, but you'll, we'll give you two and a half weeks. That's what just happened. So go ahead and keep committing genocide while we fund you with weapons and everything else. Wait for you to sign this document and then sign it and then go back to murdering. But we'll pretend like that makes sense. On Tuesday, it gives the assurances that will abide by international law while using U.S. weapons and allow humanitarian aid to enter Gaza, which, again, also means they know that that's not happening. That means they already know Israel is deliberately stopping it, which, by the way, is the most open secret in all this conversation. I'll make I'm doing a whole segment about that today that literally everybody knows that that was the main point that I was talking about, that they're just going, no, we're not. There's nothing but aid everywhere. There's bread overflowing out of every bed everywhere in the world. Oh, no, but then everybody else everywhere is like, you're lying. We can tell. We can see it. And these children are literally being shot while starving, while scooping flour out of the dirt. And you're going to tell us that they've got more food they can do what they know what to do with. Literally a quote saying, there is no famine in Gaza. But it says the assurances are now a requirement under a memorandum issued earlier the month by President Biden. Good sure thing it took you four months to issue a memorandum to ask him to sign a document to stop committing crimes. I mean, my God, guys, that's almost more insulting than doing nothing. If the assurances aren't provided by the deadline, the U.S. weapon transfers will be paused, not even stopped. We'll just we'll pause, meaning it will continue at some point. I mean, we really care. He's going to sign a document. We're going to pretend like that changes anything. Well, Philip Philippe, uh, Philippe Lazzarini Commissioner General of UNRWA points out that in just over four months in Gaza, there have been more children, more journalists, more medical personnel, more UN staff killed than literally anywhere in the world during any conflict that we know of. But let's pretend like there's some kind of narrative that makes sense. Like that's the thing I was saying earlier today to somebody. So 15,000 children, 15,000. 
I mean, is there really anything somebody could say to make you go, oh, okay, that's why it makes sense, right? Human shields. Oh, okay. Well, 15,000, that's no big deal. Just murder them all. Human shields, right? I mean, take a second and really wrap your mind around that. They are literally telling you that 30 plus thousand people, 70% women and children, 15,000 children. And as we're watching some of them starve to death in front of us right now, as I understand it, there's been like eight or nine that they can verify have literally starved to death because they don't have food. God, it's just overwhelming. It really is. We're watching this happen. We can literally see it happening. And not only that, that they're actually lying about what aid that they are allowing in, like we said before. Like, that's the kind of villainy I'm talking about. Not just doing it, but not but doing lying about doing the good thing and then demanding praise. Praise for the thing you're not doing that you lied about while knowing you're starving children to death. Put that mindset on when you look at these people next time. That's what they're actually doing. In just over four months in Gaza, as he says, more children, more journalists, more medical personnel, more UN staff killed in anywhere in any conflict in the world. It is with profound regret, he says, that he must now inform you that UNRWA has a reached a breaking point with Israel's repeated calls to dismantle it and the freezing of funding by donors at a time of unprecedented humanitarian need in Gaza. He wrote a letter about this, but we're going to come back to it in a minute. I want this as the point for right now, just to understand the breadth of this. And we all see this. Here's another statistical point. Sir Chili Bean breaking this down from uh, ministry information. Corresponding to the period between January 26th and February 26th. So not even going back to October 7th. Just January 26th to February 26th, which reveals that the genocidal acts have only accelerated. So 144 days since the start of the latest genocide on Gaza, 29,000, again, these, these numbers will vary depending on which, generally they're all pretty much in line. About 30,000 total number of fatalities, 70,000 number of injured, that can between 70 and 100. Ultimately, a lot of this is, you know, some, there's an estimation of how many might be lost or buried and so on. But 30 days since the International Criminal Court issued its provisional measures, 30 days. And the point is, not only have they not stopped, they've increased their efforts. But Israel has continued, has continued to intensify its attacks and ignored completely the orders. And here's the information since then. 375 massacres committed, like massacres like the flower massacre we're going to start. <clears throat> Each one of them, hundreds of people killed. 3,525, the number of people declared dead in hospitals. 1,720 children killed. 1,130 women killed. One medical pr practitioner two civil defense personnel, 12 journalists, 11,000 wounded in need, in need of treatment, 2 million people continue to be displaced, 17 government headquarters destroyed in Israeli, bu and, uh, in Israeli buildings, two, uh, two, num two schools and universities completely destroyed. This is just the last month. The num uh, nine schools, universities partially destroyed, 47 mosques completely destroyed, 25 of them partially destroyed, 39 residential properties completely destroyed, 143 residential properties partially destroyed, 4,000 4, tons of explosives dropped in the last month. You guys, that's more than some wars we've talked about. One, the number of one hospital taken out of service, two ambulances targeted. And this is just the, what they can prove. And here is what the prime minister has to say. There is no genocide whatsoever. That's actually what he said. Oh, it looks like we're censored on Instagram again. I mean, they're not even waiting these days. It looks like just right out of the gate, we get censored. Not like I care. I'm not a big fan of Instagram anyway, but I just, I'm noticing as we stream here. But here's what he had to say. 
President Lula last week called out Israel, said that um, Israel was responsible for the genocide of the Palestinian people. What's your response to him? He's an idiot. That's it? That's it. What can I say? Look, I want to tell you something. You know, I I hear this uh, criticism and it's uh, it's simply Israel hate, Jewish hate. There's no explanation for someone who who can talk about genocide. There's no genocide. Oh, yeah. So literally. I feel like he kind of stopped that sentence because he realized how bad it was. But so if you just talk about genocide when you're not a Jew, apparently that's unacceptable. That's what he said. I mean, I know he he was going to finish meaning about Israel, but that's the same point, isn't it? So that's all it is. No matter what, there is literally no circumstance in which you can accuse Israel of genocide without being a racist in his mind, or rather in his Zionist manipulation. That's what's really going on. Because the truth is, we all see it. Everybody sees it. And that's why he's so frustrated. Do you remember how contentious, how confrontational he was in that earlier interview when somebody asked a basic question? Because he thought by yelling and shouting and pressuring and calling them racist that they would meekly fall back like they have for decades. Not anymore. It's obvious people aren't blindly far. They're not falling for this lie anymore. Again, that's not to suggest that there aren't racists or people that hate Jewish people. It's to suggest that they have been using, Zionists have been using the allegation of racism for a very long time to scare people away from acknowledging the crimes of the government of Israel. Now, that's all you got, man. I've t- you literally, you show me an example of a verifiable claim being put to any one of them. And in one point of their argument, they will call it about, they'll say racist, anti-Semitism. They just hate Jews. It's as simple as that. And even people like Piers Morgan are still too afraid to push back on that point. No side whatsoever. The only- that's it. <sighs> He's an idiot. That's it. That's it. What in case you missed the opening point, he's talking about Lula, the president who's spoken up and said that they what they're doing is genocide. And they immediately called him an anti-Semite. He's a secret Jew-hating, blood libel-spinning, blah, 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 blah. Same stuff every time. I say, look, I, I want to tell you something. You know, I, I hear this uh, criticism, and it's, uh, it's sem- simply Israel hate, Jewish hate. There, there's no explanation for someone who can talk about genocide. There's no genocide whatsoever. The only genocide that was attempted is when they came in on October 7th to explicitly murder women and children. There's nowhere, there's nothing that verifies that. I mean, it certainly could be what somebody was thinking. The evidence doesn't back that up. As much as they tried to lie about children and everything else, it just doesn't back it up. The evidence seems to suggest that they, think about it like this. The fact that they've released all these hostages this whole time seems to clearly show you that they weren't intent on just killing everybody. If that was the case, there would be no hostages. And on top of that, we can quite literally prove that what appears to me to be the majority of what happened were killed by IDF. Prove me wrong. The evidence I've shown unendlessly, along with people like Dan Cohen and plenty of people who have been breaking this down and undeniably showing you that the story they spun was a lie. So all he has to, interestingly enough, he says attempted genocide. See, they used to just call it a genocide, but now people people have become very aware that that is a legal term. And if they do that, it only undermines the entire, they know that they're, they're aware they are treading back. They're backstepping at this point, but that's all he wants is there is no genocide to speak of nothing. So, but think about how crazy it is to compare what you're talking about on October 7th, which is a fraction of what's happened in Gaza and say, well, that was an attempted genocide, but this over here, which is far larger 
far more killed with literally everybody else who's talking about it telling you it's dead, but that doesn't even compete. It's not even no genocide whatsoever. Obviously, it's ridiculous. I mean, this is why it's falling apart. Because at the very least, you could acknowledge what's happening, but this person doesn't want to admit that they're murdering people. That is a, an attempt for genocide. The only reason it stopped is because of the Israeli army. We're going in and doing everything, bending over backward to defend and, and avoid uh, unnecessary deaths. Defend who exactly? Say he was going to say the Palestinians, but that's not, I, I bet you he would get negative fallout from even saying that from some of his supporters. But that's what that's what they're generally insinuating. They're protecting Palestinians and going after bad guy Hamas. Well, that's not true. It's patently false. And we'll prove it today like we have in every other show with their words, with their actions, with the with the outcome. It's obvious they're killing innocent people, including their own hostages. We're losing boys uh, fighting there because we are so cautious. So anyone who says that is simply uh, uh a racist is his point. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the lies and how even in front of the International Court of Justice, which is where they presented what they claimed was their evidence to justify what they claim was an attempted genocide. So his entire foundational argument right there is proven false by the fact that what they claim present that they what they claim proves that that was the case has already been debunked by all of us already. But now a forensic investigation has shown that this is actually false. This is forensic ar architecture. What This is what I was pointing out earlier, referencing. This is a really great breakdown of some very detailed information, a lot. I'm probably going to take time to go through this more in depth. First, just the point is to understand the new report. They analyzed the visual material that Israel presented at the ICJ. They found eight instances of the Israeli legal team misrepresenting materials, lying, Presented through incorrect annotations, meaning they wrote the wrong thing on the images, and misleading descriptions. There's no way this is not deliberate. A few examples to follow. One, Israel's legal team referenced an annotated drone image uh, to claim Al-Quds Hospital was used for military purposes, and thus a justified target. Which, by the way, it's important to understand this. That's not even a valid argument. First of all, the idea that somebody might, like, let, let's put it like this. If you have somebody who runs up on a top building and shoots a weapon, that does not immediately mean you can just literally destroy the building with everybody in it. I think that's obvious, isn't it? We all know that. It's, it's absurd. And a point is, on top of that, there's many cases where they haven't even proven that there was anybody there. They just made the argument. But the idea that that's ever been the case, it's just mind-blowing to me. But it goes on to say, we found the hospital boundary annotation was incorrect and no evidence of armed operations at all inside this hospital one on top of the other literally anybody that breaks this stuff down and the point was they show you that where the guy was actually standing was in on the residential building so this is what they did they hunted these things down they found examples like this that could be misrepresented in front of a screen where people wouldn't know the differences they don't live in these areas they don't know they're not from gaza so they would just take it face value that's what it was that's not what a journalist does, but they lied. So they literally took something from that was not in the hospital and said that they fired from the hospital. And then literally, oh, I don't know if this was retroactively or not. Point was, it was never the truth. And they did destroy this hospital. Bro, I bet I'm willing to bet you they probably manufactured this after murdering everybody in that building. But it says the Israeli legal team incorrectly identified and annotated. So each time they they incorrectly break this down, and then they're the ones that write down the lie on top of this stuff. An image of a, or in the sense, write down or, or draw graphic or whatever. An image of a crater 
And they claimed it was a Palestinian rocket site, which was used to justify the bombing of the location. Now, they, when geolocated, modeled after measured the crater, they found it was consistent with the impact of an Israeli bomb. Big surprise. Israeli's legal team used an, an annotated satellite image to claim Palestine. This is why they always use these graphics and cartoons, because they're lying. They're manufacturing illusions. They use this to claim Palestinians fired a rocket next to a humanitarian zone and a U.N. facility in Rafah. This is, this is new, guys. This is about what they're justifying to go into Rafah right now. This annotation was misleading. The Israeli military had not identified the area as a humanitarian zone in any public statements. The Israeli legal team presented an image they claimed showed aid entering Gaza via the Rafah crossing. This is also a point we'll talk about today. The trucks pictured are, in fact, heading in the opposite direction toward the Israeli uh, Nitzana crossing, where many aid trucks were refused or subjected to lengthy delays. They're, I mean, it's, it's oh so on the surface. So my question, again, when I said in the beginning, where are all the people that know this is wrong? Like the people that can quite literally stand up in positions of authority and say, look, I'm here. I know that's not true. They're not doing it. We live in a really dangerous time, or rather we always have at a time. It's well, Let's put it this way. We're in a very positive time where people are finally starting to recognize at a foundational level that people that have always been making decisions, people that have always been leading the charge in positions of media or government, many of them are not what they appear. I know it's not shocking news for most people, but it says Israel's legal team repeatedly argued that hospitals, shelters, schools, residential buildings, and safe zones had lost protected status and were legitimate military targets relying on singular cases themselves unproven to justify widespread targeting of civilian infrastructure. That is the most damning aspect. Just like with amnesty, which I'll include yet again, which back in the day used to be like the end of the conversation, right? They, if Iran made a claim and this kind of thing happened, they'd be like, it's over. They proved it. Not today. But the point was in, on October 20th, guys. And really, all they looked at was between the 7th and 12th of October. That's it. So the first week, and they found five examples of Israel bombing civilians without telling the location they were going to bomb, bombing other locations without taking concerns about civilians around, or quite literally deliberately targeting civilians with any, not a sign of military targets around. They, it's provable. This is only one of many investigations, and yet we're still debating whether or not Matt Miller will tell you we need a full investigation. Well, that's already happened, bud. It's done. They proved it. You don't care about that. But this report is important. In regard to the, oh, shoot. Oh, crap. Okay, I just realized I haven't saved my links. That's frustrating. Hold on. I just closed a bunch already. Let me see. Let me just save this really quickly before I forget. And I'll have to remember, try to read. See, I do. See, this is what happens sometimes for those that, those that uh, know. But I like, I have, I, the links aren't there, which is very rare for me. It's something like that. I just forgot to tap, save all the tabs, and then I close them as I go along, and I forget. So that's frustrating, but I'll, I'm hopefully not closed anymore. Actually, I just saved them, so I still can. But this will go through in the future. There's more in there. Some powerful stuff. Actually, there was something I had highlighted. I forgot. I wanted to show you one thing. Or, oh, it was, in, it was in this. So this article goes over this breakdown, which I'm going to say, make sure you don't lose this. This is important, important information. Times Live breaks down Israel's Israel legal team's evidence that ICJ Gaza case was misleading, according to this group. Here are some of the things they break down. The research group says it found the eight instances we just represented or just told you about. Forensic architecture in, in, at the University of London said their legal team did, did this through a combination of, you know, basically I just told you, labeling, mis, misleading verbal descriptions. It says, quote, we found eight instances where their team misrepresented the facts. 
Our study also revealed that the Israeli legal team presented single instances of alleged Palestinian military use of civilian infrastructure as blanket justifications for the systemic and widespread attacks on civilians. Shelter, schools, hospitals. A little more of an, you know, explain fleshed out version of what they said over there that it's just so obvious and they're murdering people based on things they know aren't accurate. So that's a willful uh, decision to use something they know is not justifiable to kill people because they just want to kill people or whatever you want to insert in that last part. You tell me why they would lie about this in order to murder innocent Palestinians. In another instance, the research group said the Israeli legal team presented evidence to claim that aid was entering Gaza. Point being, it is not. And they were lying. It says, quote, we geolocated the footage and identified the location of trucks to be about 41 kilometers from Rafa border, moving in the opposite direction. Now it says the border crossing is the land border between the, the Nitzana border crossing. It's a land border crossing between Egypt and Israel. During the present conflict in Gaza, the border crossing was used to inspect aid bound for the Gaza Strip. After the inspection at, Niz- at Nitzana, trucks would then drive to the Rafa boarding crossing into Gaza. So they lied about this dynamic, knowing that people don't know that. And then went to a place where they were, in fact, making sure it did not go in. It's all a game of misunderstandings, guys. They're playing on the ignorance of innocent people. And that's pretty disgusting, isn't it? While And then the point is doing that so they can continue starving children and their own hostages. The footage and caption were misleading because they claimed the trucks were entering the border. Instead, they would have been checked by the other border. Going forward, Richard Grove adds something important. Uh, uh, Dilly Hussein posts this. Grove adds the land without a people, as they frame it, apparently had a government. This is actually pretty interesting. This is a post that he breaks down. It's an old document saying the government of Palestine, Department of Migration, signed by Jews immigrating to Europe to Palestine in the 1930s. Now, the game gets played about the the name of, you know, like, let's, let's be, I hope you understand the, and I, you should go over the history of Zionism, which I'll grab real quick so you understand is that's frustrating doesn't pop up for me but the point being is that you go back to the origins of this understand zionism for the for what it was in the beginning and realize that they the, the zionist herschel herschel being an atheist chose the terms is israel the word israel based on the bible because people will then take that as gospel right so today when they go see here it says israel well, that, the term Israel has a historical con- context because Zionists chose to call their state Israel does not mean anything other than Zionists chose to manipulate you in every possible way. So what's interesting is people down below will go, but look, it says Israel. It's always been Israel. It's There's a term Israel that has a much longer historical context. And then what happens today is people make that out to be what Zionism and the name Israel is today. Just because Israel's a term has existed is in the Bible does not like it's it's I don't know why it's hard to understand that people, humans, individuals could have been like, ah, I'm going to take that name and use it because they'll think this. We just assume that it's like all God. Can, it's, just, it's interesting to me what people will choose to believe. But the point here is that you can go down and, and, and he writes here, dear genocidal Zionist, this post proves two things. Even under the British colonial mandate, there was a land region called Palestine, which we shouldn't have to debate today. So there goes your there was no Palestine before 1948 lie. Upon arriving in Palestine, European Jews took the oath to be, quote, loyal and law abiding, not become land grabbing terrorists. But he has a bunch of other information you could check out for yourself. But the point is that these things don't matter when you're living in a bunch of lies. Oh, that's right. I was going to grab this post here for you guys to include where I go over Zionism versus Nazism and the history of the provable evidence. It's not up for debate, even though just saying this offhandedly, people will assume that I'm basing it on some blog post and not realize that it's 
CIA documentation, Zionist own history and their own posts and blah, blah, blah. The point is, it's obvious that there was an overlap and it's alarming to see how nobody talks about it. I don't mean overlap. I mean, literally align themselves with Nazi Germany well after the final solution has begun and it's all documented. But here is a post that I want to share just the beginning, really, that I, 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 this is something I myself have, have not been paying attention to that we should, that the ongoing process at the ICJ is ongoing that people have continued to present evidence about why they are committing genocide and it's not getting much attention. So uh, this, why, see, that's so frustrating. It's supposed to say who I shared it from right there and it doesn't. I don't know why. I bet you it pops up in the beginning. Yeah, see, right there. And it goes away probably. But in any case, this is the person that shared it. I just want to shout them out. You can see it down below. I said, Dr. Rife, and that's the point is that's a person said, like no one's paying attention to this. This is Dr. Ralph Wilds presenting evidence for the Israeli genocide in Gaza. And as I said, it's still an ongoing process and it makes sure we need to give it attention. But his testimony is scathing. It's powerful. Now make sure you, it's 25 minutes. I'm not going to play the whole thing, but make sure you listen to it because it's powerful. And guys, it is the most provable thing I can possibly talk about right now. It's important that we call this out. Mr. President, distinguished members of the court, it's a great honor and privilege to appear before you and to represent the League of Arab States. The Palestinian people have been denied the exercise of their legal right to self-determination through the more than century-long violent, colonial, racist effort to establish a nation-state exclusively for the Jewish people in the land of mandatory Palestine. When this began after the First World War, the Jewish population of that land was 11%. Forcibly implementing Zionism in this demographic context has necessarily involved the extermination or forced displacement of some of the non-Jewish Palestinian population, the exercise of domination over and subjugation dispossession and immiseration of remaining non-Jewish Palestinians, the emigration to that land of Jewish people, regardless of any direct personal link, and the denial of Palestinian refugees the right to return, all operating through a racist distinction privileging Jewish people over non-Jewish Palestinian people. This has necessitated serious violations of all the fundamental Jos Kogan's and Erga Omne's norms of international law. The right of self-determination, the prohibitions on aggression, genocide, crimes against humanity, racial discrimination, apartheid, and torture. And, I mean, and this, this is why it's so embarrassing for all the everything they pretend they're fighting for right now is being destroyed because Israel's doing all of it. I mean, everything you listed off, all of that is everything they claim they're trying to stop around the world. And they're just ignoring it in the chief ally of the United States. I mean, think about how dest destructive that is for the illusion they've been spinning. And the, and I don't think anybody at this point can pretend this is all some, you know, look, it's always possible. We should always consider whether all of this is some coordinated thing to lead you in a certain direction. We should never leave that from your mind. That's always a possibility. But the evidence has to back it up. Whatever we think has to be backed up by evidence, right? Right now, I think it's very clear. Israel has shot themselves in both feet. 
and they are doing this and they're not stopping and all of these other governments are being exposed for how clearly they've been towing their line for so long. And right now we still are to their own detriment, which should make you ask why? What is it that's making them destroy their career for Israel? You have to wonder, right? There is something doing that. The core protections of IHL. Today, I will address, first, violations of international law arising out of the regime of racial domination, apartheid, perpetrated against the Palestinian people across the entire land of historic Palestine. And then, second, the existential illegality of Israel's occupation of the Palestinian Gaza Strip and West Bank, including East Jerusalem, since 1967. As a necessary prerequisite, I must begin with this special right granted to the Palestinian people in the League Covenant. The legal right of self-determination of the Palestinian people originates in the sacred trust obligations of Article 22 of the League Covenant, part of the Versailles Treaty. Palestine, an A-class mandate under British colonial rule, was, after the First World War, supposed to have its existence as an independent state provisionally recognized, a sui generis right of self-determination. The UK and other members of the League Council attempted to bypass this, incorporating the 1917 Balfour Declaration commitment to establishing a national home for the Jewish people in Palestine into the instrument stipulating how the mandate would operate. However, the Council had no legal power to bypass the Covenant in this way. It acted ultra-virus, and the relevant provisions were legally void. There was and is no legal basis in that mandate instrument for either a specifically Jewish state in Palestine or the UK's failure to discharge the sacred trust obligation to implement Palestinian self-determination. So I'm going to leave it there. It took long, I actually went longer than I wanted because I just deleted and restarted my Instagram live because they just censored it and I put it back up. We'll see if it gets censored again. I bet you it will. But, you know, the point is just to realize that even in the beginning, it was illegal, right? Not like they cared, like here just, well, actually they care just as little as they do today. But the point was they have to pretend like they care a lot more today because the internet and so on. But back then, Belfort Declaration, they didn't care what you think, just, as, just like they don't care now. But the point was, it was just as illegal back then as it is now. They had no justification for anything they did. And his, the other 20 minutes of his testimony is just as important. But the right to resist, the, the, the illegal actions of everything they're doing. I mean, guys, it is that clear. Claire Daly points out, and this is just continuing to show even the people who even still are towing many of the lines around this narrative are being forced to quietly pull back a little bit. The UK... Members of the members of European Parliament rejoice. She writes, "Have rejoiced that finally today Parliament voted for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. Not like it matters to Israel what anybody else thinks or votes for, whether the UN or the International Criminal Court. They're going to do what they're going to do because they are an illegal entity. That's very clear by now. But it's showing you that even these people who are 
trying to pretend and have waited four and a half months to even begin to care about it, not Claire Daly, but most of them, have suddenly started to act like they have to care. Why? Because they know you do. They're not dumb. They see every single person that they need to vote for them or whatever the illusion becomes down the line, the control, the power, the influence, the clout, are suddenly seeing through it. So they have to start walking it back. But it's a positive note. Regardless of how broken the system is, they've been forced because of your opinion to vote to stop this. More and more and more, this is continuing. Now, on the the point of the uh, last plan, Anti-War just wrote this article today. Netanyahu's last battle promises no victory, just a slaughter in Rafa. Because that is what I'm, again, remember I just titled my, one of my last shows. The, the what was it, the impending ma- Rafa massacre that we can't, like it's it seems like we all know it's going to happen. And this is what is so difficult. That we you'd think we have some ability to actually do something about this. The part, the problem is that the way the systems have been designed today, and that's an indication of where we're dri- being driven with the WHO and everything else, is that it's the illusion of influence. They don't care what you think. They want you to think that. But when it really comes down to it, like right now, they do what they want, even if it's in direct contradiction to what everybody wants. That's the illusion being on this, put on display right now. So think about that when it comes to any other policy, whether domestic or foreign. They don't care what you think. But they're trying to create a situation where they don't even have to pretend they care anymore. That's where it's going. But the mayor of Rafa says that only 10% of the needed food and water is reaching the people. We know this already, but Israel's continuing to lie about it while starving them. This, and it says where they suffer from extreme hunger and outright starvation. It says they have lost loved ones, homes, and have no access to medical care. These are just, just the people in Rafa. They're trapped between high walls and sea and murderous army. It says where, where, uh, where will... Where will up to 1.5 million people go when Israel's tanks arrives? The closest so-called safe area is Al-Mawasi. You know, the place where they've already been bombing. The place where they already told them to go, moved them again, and now want them to go back to. Because that makes sense. Even though they're, watch, I'll let this article describe the point I was just about to make. But it says, which is already overcrowded. The displaced refugees there are also starving due to Israel's blocking of aid and the constant bombing of humanitarian convoys. Then there is northern Gaza, which is mostly ruins. It has no food to, the, to that extent. In some areas, even animal feed, which is now being consumed by human beings, is no longer accessible. If the international community does not finally develop the will to stop Israel, seeing as how we all see what's happening, this horrific crime will prove to be, the wor- by, be worse by far than all the crimes that have been committed so far. It is expected that more than 100,000 Palestinians will be killed or wounded in Rafah alone. However, an invasion of Rafa promises neither military nor strategic victory, military or strategic victory for Israel. Just slaughter. Now, I really want you to hear that. That's not opinion. Based on the, the, the logistics of this, the, te- the information that we can prove, there is really no military, strategic or otherwise. There's nothing they will achieve in all of this. Despite Their narratives are being spun about how Hamas and actually, again, I, I'll let them. This last paragraph is what I want you to hear. They're lying about what they're trying to achieve. At the end of the day, the fact that they've jumped from narrative to narrative, spot to spot, shows you that it's all just about justifying the next massacre. But the point you need to hear is that there's nothing they're going to gain from this other than killing lots of Palestinians and taking more control of Gaza in regard to military settlements they're going to build. Quote, I am personally proud of the ruins of Gaza, said Israel's minister of social equity. Equality, excuse me, right? It's all about equality. That's a May Golan. At the start of the war, Israel claimed that Hamas was concentrated mostly in northern Gaza. Remember? The north was duly destroyed. 
but the resistance carried out carried on unabated. Then Israel claimed that the resistance headquarters was under Shiva Hospital, which was bombed, raided, destroyed. Which, by the way, we proved beyond a shadow of a doubt was a. I mean, even BBC called them liars, guys. It was pathetically obvious. Then it claimed that uh, Barij uh, Makazi was the central Gaza. In central Gaza was where the main prizes of the war. But then they moved again. Then Kanyunis was declared the capital of Hamas, and so on and on it goes. The resistance had not been defeated, and the alleged Hamas capital was shifted conveniently from one city to another, even from one neighborhood to another, and none of the corporate media, none of the independent, none of the governments that are all claiming to fight for rules-based international order could even squeak a word about it. Just followed along. Genocide after genocide, war crime after war crime. Now the same ridiculous claim and unsubstantiated allegations, and it is unsubstantiated, are being made about Rafa. So where are the last examples? We were told that they need to destroy all these areas because they were Hamas compounds. Where is it? You show us images and cartoons of, Im- of, hot- of, of tunnels or a s- drone shot of some hole in the ground where you won't even let corporate media look. You make them look through a TV screen. Nobody's gotten evidence, and yet you keep pushing massacre after massacre under the same argument. How Are they picking up and moving their headquarters? <sighs> and it says where most of Gaza's population in Rafah was in fact ordered to go by Israel, in total despair if they wanted to survive the onslaught. Israel had hoped that the Palestinians would rush to leave Gaza in the hundreds and thousands to to Egypt. That's what they were trying to do, and we know that. They didn't, of course. The Israeli leaders, like far-right finance minister Smotrich, spoke of, quote, voluntary migration as the, quote, right to humanitarian solution, which, by the way, was just an illusion for them being forced. Still, the Palestinians did not move. Now the Israelis have agreed on the invasion of Rafah. It's just a matter of time, guys. In the last-ditch effort to orchestrate another Palestinian Nakba, which is what they'll say, actually. Nakba 2 is coming. Direct quote. Now the point to think about here in Rafah, or the, the desert, Sinai, is that this was real. The, the plan was leaked. It even goes back to older, like Smotrich and his decisive plan, 2017. I've told you this before. So let's not pretend like that wasn't a real thing. It's obvious. It's proven. WikiLeaks proved the document was real. So now when let's just say they shift the plan because we all see that Sinai Desert was the plan and they do something else, don't allow people to pretend like that was a conspiracy that has been debunked. The point is it's on the record. They've made statements about it. Their own people, the Eli Davids of the world have said, why don't you go to Sinai Desert? It's obvious that was part of the plan. It hasn't happened because you pushed back. Because you in the chat, you stood up, you said something, you told your neighbors, you talked about it, you did a podcast where our efforts are making a difference. But the point is, now they're going to find something else. Either way, it's all leading in the same direction, unless we do something about it. Now, here is the role that Mr. Uh, uh, John Stewart is playing again, which in my opinion, quite frankly, is the same role to kind of, you know, straddle the line of what we're doing, but while burying very important aspects of it, whether he knows or not, I'm not speaking to the fact that that he may know this, but I'll tell you what I think about his breakdown here, which is that he's criticizing the plan. And and in his comedic way, making it sound, you know, that, well, you're going to murder these people and it's going to be genocide. The point is about what he's saying that's incorrect. And I'll show you what I mean. Oh, there, yep, Instagram censored it again. Took about four minutes, didn't it? God, that's so embarrassing. They just censor immediately. Anyway, not like it matters. They're a garbage platform. Let's watch this. 
Uh, uh, this is an awful situation. We're, we're coming off uh, on five months of a brutal bombing campaign brought on by a horrific massacre and hostage taking. And we seem no closer to ending anything but the reigns of a couple of Ivy League presidents. <laughs> well, this weekend, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu finally laid out his plan for peace. Benjamin Netanyahu is calling for complete demilitarization of Gaza, as well as Israel taking over security and controlling entry and exit points to Gaza. So your peace plan is a siege, <laughs> a military siege. You really think a military Yeah, you mean the thing that's been going on for, for 40 years? Yeah, that same thing, right? So see how that works? It effectively, well without people even realizing it, plant in your mind that there wasn't a siege. Uh, but now they're going to do a siege. Realize they have been doing this. I mean, realistically, the occupation of Palestine goes back to the very beginning. But the the blocking off of Gaza and turning it into the open-air prison that it is was a different step in the process, right? The point is that has been going on ever since that happened. It doesn't change. And even when they remove their boots on the ground and, and to, you know, past 2005 and the, and the election and so on, it is still a legally occupied territory because it's, all of it is, but specifically West Bank and Gaza, in addition to it, it's all, it's all the same conversation. So when he makes it sound like the new plan will be a siege, what else, what do you think is happening now? You see how kind of surreptitious that is? Like it's meant to plant in the mind that that's not what's been going on, which, by the way, changes a very important part of the conversation. If it was not under siege, therefore not occupied, they don't have the legal right to arm resistance. I'm telling you, that would be the kind of tactful sidestep when you already know you're losing the argument to try to make, to you know avoid the worst parts of what you'll be accused of. I mean, you could, or he just doesn't know any better. But I thought that was very important. I tend to think this is the kind of role these these entities play. Solution ends this cycle? Victory is within reach, and you can't have victory until you uh, eliminate Hamas. But, okay. But your plan to eliminate Hamas by destroying all of Gaza, uh, doesn't that just make more Hamases? Is that the plural of Hamas? Hamasai? <laughs> I mean, it's an idea. Palestinian liberation is an idea. Unless you have a bomb that kills ideas, do you have a bomb that kills ideas? I mean, through all the joking, he's not making invalid points, right? The blowback and right, the same points we've always made, but these are surface-level points, right? Yes, yes, that will drive more people to support the resistance, which, by the way, is exactly what he wants because he's been funding Hamas for that very purpose for a very long time. But God forbid we point out that obvious nugget that I know he knows of, right? Idea. Unless you have a bomb that kills ideas, do you have a bomb that kills ideas? <laughs> I mean, how long? It's the same point about the war on terror, right? You, you can't destroy an idea, but they'll sure as hell pretend like they can when they want you to think that's what's going on. How long would it even take to bomb the shit out of an idea? The intense phase of the fighting is weeks away from completion. Not months, weeks away from completion. Oh, dear God. <laughs> if you insist on this plan, if you think that ends Hamas, I believe we in the United States have a banner you can use. Right? Um, it's a little wind damaged, but 
equally delusional. And of course, he means the mission accomplished, right? But there's valid points we made, but it's obviously very surface level. And I think at the end of the day, we need to understand that there's so much more that should be said. Like even the joking about Hamas and stuff, it's like, it just feels like it's downplaying, but you know, there, there's value to the comedy side of it. I would argue to, if you're really trying to reach people and inform. But going to the next point <clears throat> now, I, 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 I um, debated <clears throat> on how I was going to line this up today because I wanted to take this into the argument of the lies which actually, well, technically from this into the conversation about the food and so on. But I wanted to start with this argument. And this is really a point on top of the Aaron Bushnell conversation, which is just a very, if you actually, I'll include that if you want to watch um, the last show we did on this regard, which is a very, very emotional conversation. But this is about Aaron Bushnell and the lies getting into that point and how the Israeli propagandist tried to use him to lie. And just, it's an important point to see how blatantly what they're doing is, is they're using, they, it's like the, the point is they're not even checking. And it's both an example of, an, well, technically they're both Israeli propagandists. It's two examples you'll see. Now, if you want, this is a um, an important show. Let me get this real quick before I forget. This one. So this was a great article written by Robert, and it really is an important article that I, I hope you'll read. <clears throat> he does an outstanding job breaking down what they've been saying, the lies they've been putting around this. You know, it's, it is really a well-done article, and he always does great work. Aaron Bushnell setting himself on fire in protest of Gaza genocide is predictably being twisted, just like we expected, calling, you know, here's what is a Palestinian extremist will do. And, you know, and I'll show you that by and large, it's being taken exactly the opposite by military personnel, by most people in this country. And this is the one I'll include as well. This is my show I did on the day that it happened. But let's go over how people are lying about this. Oh, one more point, by the way, if you haven't seen this. I'm not sure. I don't think we need this article. I'm worried this is a way to manipulate the conversation. But the point is, they're claiming he's Aaron Bushnell through his friend who spoke to them was claiming he had classified knowledge proving that U.S. forces were, in fact, fighting in Gaza tunnels. And, and you know, which, by the way, probably means they're killing their own hostages. Either way, they were on the ground. But we don't need the pro this to prove that. In fact, this doesn't prove that. It's secondhand information. We can already prove that. Axios showed an article that there was a three star general on the ground. We know that they do, in fact, have personnel on the ground from multiple locations. And we're talking boots on the ground, active action. It's provable. We've already done multiple examples or show them examples. So it makes me wonder why they would give you the second information, but maybe it just, just happened that way. But here's we get into the lies. Here's Eli David, which, by the way, here's what he actually put out. He deleted it because, I mean, that, which, by the way, says a lot. This guy barely deletes anything until, until the example I caught him showing, you know, where he was posting the same thing a lot, and he deleted a bunch of them right after I made that point. But he posted this. More wisdom and quotes from Aaron Bushnell the airman who set himself on fire to free Palestine. So basically trying to pretend that he's a disgusting person who's sharing bad ideas or, you know, th the point is, here's a screenshot, a la Twitter files. Palestine will be free when all the Jews are dead. A little too on the nose, isn't it? Just so you know, he did not say that. And what I said, that's why he's deleted it now. I said, here is Eli David sharing a fake tweet he claims was posted by Aaron Bushnell. It was not. 
The person, this person, Eli David, is a despicable human being who will lie about anything to emotionally manipulate you into sharing his Zionist lies. Here's somebody who followed up simply showing another person who is trying to sail the same lie because of people like Eli David, the same screenshot circulating everywhere. And the point was, he's refusing to delete the fake tweet even after he realized it's fake. Why? Well, because Aaron could have said other things that might have been similar, showing you other statements that are nowhere near that statement. But, you know, free Palestine means hate the Jews. Therefore, if I can show him saying free Palestine, there he probably said the other thing. That's the kind of conversation. That is the level of intelligence we're dealing with here. That's what he said. Just remember that. The same like with the Mossad account saying our enemies are killing themselves. Here's another person. You know, one of these great journalists, Laura Loomer, leftist lunatic who liked anarchist pages. Go figure. And what is he doing? Oh, and by the way, Colin Rugg, same, many of these examples. He's the one that shared the lie, the tweet showing that image. She shared it saying, see, a leftist maniac. And as I said, I said, now it's been deleted because it was proven to be a fake. You posted a screenshot with zero due diligence simply because it aligned with your bigoted worldview. But I'm sure you'll jump at the next chance to mislead your audience for Zionism. Hashtag Twitter files. I just don't know why people can't see through these kind of people. Just lowest common denominator. Lashing, jumping at any chance to attack people for who they are if it aligns with what your worldview is. And if you want to go through and look at his, I guess this is, I guess, the archived version of, of his uh, Reddit account. So one, you can prove that wasn't in there, just to make a point. But just so you can see that this is not something that is unique to one person. By the way, that's now the third time Instagram has censored us while I've been live. I, I just keep starting it again for the different, a new account starting again, blah, blah, blah. Not like it matters. I'll stop mentioning it. I just think it's funny. How aggressive, how, how terrified they are of what we're talking about, guys. But here, Lindsay posting this. American veterans burn their military uniforms in honor of Aaron Bushnell. Now, yes, this is one example of a grouping of veterans. Doesn't mean every veteran thinks the same. But from my kind of putting the feelers out, I, guys, I'm finding it hard to find any veteran that thinks what he did was somehow crazy or racist or whatever they're framing as. So really what you end up getting is the Israeli government and part of your government calling most of your veterans somehow radical or, or extreme or whatever. Which, by the way, is not that hard to understand. They've been calling people that believe in the Constitution extremist. That's not a joke. Literally, one of the things they wrote down is what they should be concerned about. Tracking, FBI, and so on. People that, quote, believe too much in the Constitution. That is directly from their statement, their, their talking points. I talked about that years ago. So these, that's why they think people like us that believe in the truth are dangerous. So they're burning their fatigues, burning their military gear, and, and supporting Aaron. Clicking this so people can see on the Instagram that they're censoring, because they won't let me comment afterward. So here, 
is the last point in this segment. Adam posts this, a powerful message. This isn't a war. He should know. Here is an American veteran who's speaking about what this really is. And with the, I think, I think, I'm not sure if Adam made this or not, but it's a, it's kind of a comp, a montage compilation while he's speaking. And this is a U.S. veteran speaking in front of a, you know, it looks like a state level uh, or maybe county level uh, government and just get, stating his opinion that what's going on in Gaza is genocide. And as a military person, he knows this is not war. It's genocide. My name is Alan Shabaro. Um, I was with 3rd Special Forces Group. I was with the Commanders and Extremist Force with B-23. I was a sniper, a salter, and a breacher. I did three rotations, 2008, 2009, and 2007. I know war. What's going on in Palestine right now is not a war. It is the dehumanization. It's the genocide. It's the ethnic cleansing of a specific people to take their land. This is wrong. And there's nothing more American than than speaking out against what's wrong. The U.S. taxpayer is paying for this, which makes it even more frustrating. This needs to stop. This needs to stop. Whatever you can do, anything, this needs to stop. Only so much you can ignore, right? So continuing on the lies, right? So we're coming off the point of them, you know, lying. Here's Eli David, Laura Loomer, you know, sharing an image of an American veteran, by the way, who you'd think Laura Loomer would pretend she supports based on any other conversation, lying and and pretending he's he's a maniac because you share a screenshot that you didn't verify. Speaks to who you are as a person, nobody else, right? The lies. Well, let's talk about these lies in the context of the food and the humanitarian aid and how much they're gaslighting people. Well, while not only, again, not only lying about doing it, but pretend, like, basically not only doing the thing murdering people, but pretending you're doing the good thing and then, and then demanding praise while you're, you're guaranteeing children die to starve to death. Like, my point in saying that is you must realize that people like this, Elon Levy, and they, they know that. Let's not pretend like this is some, they don't understand the dynamic. Everybody anywhere knows this. It's very clear. You can see it. So when I show you this example here, where we later prove that he knew that they lied and they knew they were lying, they know that. So this was just an old example to set the conversation. Remember, this was on the 10th, where this was about them pretending to deliver oxygen tanks. And they got caught for it. They got the, the Red Crescent followed up and said, you're lying. Not only did you steal these from us, those are empty. You beat us up and you hijacked, you beat, you stole from us mate you didn't we were delivering them and you took them from us then you pretended to deliver them and killed people like it's it's ridiculous and he got so upset about it he said it makes my blood boil that while we're putting our lives at risk to deliver things which is not what happened that they're using basically modern day jews are poisoning the wells blood libel well you remember the point not only they're lying about this but we showed you that even Haretz had broken down the fact that that's not even a lie that old Jews are poisoning the wells was a proven documented discussion where even Haaretz broke down Israeli documents, Israeli army information that showed troops poisoning Arab villages. Quote, place the material in the wells. Docs point to Israeli armies, biological warfare. Or how about a current version from Gideon Levy? We even destroyed their water wells. Or examples of settlers putting po- uh, d- dead animals in the wells or putting cement in their wells. Like, think about how crazy it is. For him to, to say, that's blood, that Jews are poisoning the wells. His point in saying that is, that's like the most crazy, obvious lie ever. 
But the thing you're using to make it a lie is a provable talking point. But you see, they've been scaring people away for so long. Zionists. Using the anti-Semitism argument, people don't want to acknowledge that. It, see, even if you can prove it like this, they'll still call you a racist. They'll still call you even just by the statement. That's how unbelievably crazy this is. So that point about the food side of this, knowing they're already lying. And, and by the way, this one you've already seen as well. Fact check, uh, October 7th, factcheck.com broke down that Kogat uh, online, which is supposed to be a government, you know, a group fighting for humanitarian aid for Gaza. It's an Israeli group that has already been caught lying, like right here, in regard to delivering aid. It's their very job, and yet they're lying about delivering aid to people who need it because it is not an aid group. It is an Israeli group that is continuing the genocide. But it's saying their coordinates that basically claiming that we're delivering all this aid. It turned out that that was directed, contradicted directly at that time by Netanyahu's own statements about them only delivering the absolute minimum. See, this is the point. They'll lie publicly. Biden will toe the line, even as he knows publicly he said the opposite. Think about how crazy, think about how sociopathic that is. But they go on to prove that the amount there, it's now down to an average of 56 a week. Oh, no, excuse me, a day. That's from the day. Yeah, a day. That's down from the last. The point is, it was a, it was, uh, I've got the document right here. It was 500 before October 7th, which by, at the time, they were they were arguing it was already starving. People were already starving. Then it went down to 100 trucks after October 7th. So if they were already starving, that's clearly going to make it worse. Now it's down to 56. If it comes through at all in some days, that's the point. And they broke this down. They're lying. So this is a fact check group saying they're caught lying about this in 14 different ways. Okay. Then my point was, as I just want to make sure it's clear on the 22nd, Matt Gilbert pointed out, Mads Gilbert, Dr. Matt Gilbert pointed out that you can see, and this is, I think, a, uh, I forget what investigation by, I think it was Al Jazeera, showing all the backed up aid while Israel's pretending that wasn't happening. And I, I simply pointed out, yet here's Elon Levy going, continuing to shamelessly lie about it saying everything's coming through, unfettered is so much aid. It's not. And I say it's even starving their own people, likely by design. Here's Cuds News Network from the 25th. Al Jazeera has released exclusive aerial footage releasing thousands of aid, uh, revealing thousands of aid convoys awaiting for permission to enter Gaza, while Israel intentionally delays their entry, which is backed up by the UN, by journalists on the ground, by Egypt, this deliberate action is causing severe famine, posing a threat to thousands of Palestinians suffering from hunger and ch children facing malnutrition. We haven't even gotten to the flower massacre. This is leading up to today. Samantha Power, even from USAID, says more than 500 trucks should be going back to what was not even meeting their needs before October 7th. But he says in the past week alone, it's only 85, but we know now it's down to 56. She's simply saying everything behind here, her is from the, the World Food Program, which is also now backed out of it because they're not they're they're claiming Israel shooting their people. That's what they said. Of course, that they they must hate they must, they must just hate Jews though. That that's the only thing that makes sense, right? Samantha Power says aid workers are confronting extreme danger every day from IDF military operations, organized criminals, meaning the settlers, and even desperate civilians. Which again, we're gonna get that's the one of the main points we're gonna talk about with this flower discussion. You have to realize that the narrative is being lied about. And I'll show you the information that proves that. But it does, it's in regard to how they were like attacking these things. But you need to realize they have put people in a position who like kids are literally starving to death. That's not hyperbole. Starving to death in front of you. 
he realized that means that everybody is at the level of desperation to where it's not like, hey, we'll just share. It's the point that where you're like, I'm going to literally die if I don't get some bread or flour, or whatever else. And then you get mad at them for being desperate when you drive in a fraction of what would be needed, even for the people that were there. Just think about how maniacal that is. Knowing you've created starvation, then you don't give in what they need, but then you trickle in a little bit, which, by the way, was done on purpose by Israel, and we'll get into that, and then they shot at them when they went for it. That's what actually happened. That's the flower massacre. But overall, the point is she's even admitting from USAID and the United States government that the IDF is quite literally attacking their aid convoys, and they just lie about it. UNRWA pointing out they're unable to reach northern Gaza or parts of the south Gaza because... They continually come under fire from Israel and are denied access by Israel. Of course, but UNRWA is Hamas, so we'll just pretend that doesn't matter, right? And again, the point was, an average of 95 trucks per day entered between October 10th and February 1st. It was down from 500 before, and they were already suffering. So 56, guys, I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's a joke. It's not even a bandit in a bullet hole. Now, on to the point of what happened today. Cuts News Network breaks down this, uh, breaks this down, and this is as of, I think, the latest, latest tally. The numbers have been increasing as they find out more information. I, a last update, 150 people were killed. 1,000 wounded. That was just today with what happened. Another massacre. Israeli tanks shelled thousands, and there's gunfire too, thousands of hungry civilians who were simply waiting for flour. Where? At the Al-Rashid Street. Israeli snipers continue to target everyone approaching the victims in some of these locations. Why would that be happening? If this is about them rushing and stealing, why are you shooting people trying to take their family members? The director of Kamal Idwan Hospital told Al Jazeera that the victims were directly targeted in the upper part of the body, indicating that the intention was to kill. And of course, you can see donkeys and, and carry, moving bodies. Okay, so the point is, this went out before that. As Israel, Israel's military continues to block trucks of humanitarian aid from entering northern Gaza, it started making phone calls to the residents, ordering them to evacuate through Al-Rashid Street. That's important. At which at least 104 civilians were killed this morning towards Al-Mawasi in the south. So, and you could, this is subtitles. You can see it says, in the not clear area, you can evacuate through Al-Rashid. That's important. Al-Mawasi. Like the area they literally have already been bombing, just so that's clear. So the point is, Al-Rashid streets, right? So this is where it happened, and it's clear that the Israeli message told them to go there. This becomes relevant when we get into the interview that discusses the fact that this was done by Israel alone. So it seems that this was a setup, in my opinion. So here's the Al Jazeera breakdown. Massacre. Dozens killed by Israeli fire in Gaza while collecting food aid. More than 100 killed, 750 wounded. It says uh, Israeli troops opened fire on hundreds waiting for food aid southwest of Gaza City. And by the way, the video will show you, show that it, that you could clearly see there is not commotion going on, but you the fire begins and then you see people start scrambling. So we're, the video they tried to show you shows people moving and collecting around the trucks because people are literally starving, but you can even tell by their video that they're not scrushing and scrambling and pushing. They're just collecting. They're collecting around the trucks. And what the point is, you can the other video will show you shows the fire go off the, or the, the shots and people start running. So 
even the CNN interview puts to him that, well, there's arguments that you shot first and that's what caused people to start trampling. See how this goes? But it says the Gaza Ministry of Health said on Thursday that 112 people were killed and more than 750 wounded. And let's not forget, even as they always try to downplay it, they've already admitted more than once that the Israeli military and intelligence are already using Gaza Health Ministry numbers to put in their own documentation in their meetings. Because they've also admitted that almost always at the end of these things that their numbers match up pretty. And yet, they'll always try to undermine it because they don't want you to realize these numbers are accurate. The attack was part of Israel's ongoing genocidal war, calling an international community to urgently intervene. People had, uh, where was the main point? We went to get flour. The Israeli army shot at us. There were many martyrs on the ground. And, and until this moment, we, were with, we are withdrawing them. There is no first aid. That's the point that they're trying to get these people out of the way. Now, Elon Levy, of course, when Hussam Zumlet points out, this is genocide. Shooting and killing dozens of pe starving people waiting for aid trucks to feed their children. Okay, no one's disputing that. Even Israel now, by the way, I'll show you how they tried to pretend there was no shooting until they got caught for that. Then they alter their narrative, which is what happens every time. But at this point right now, nobody's denying that. It says, this is Israel's barbarism and savagery. Even state, every state that enables this or stays silent is complicit. Now, of course, you could argue that the savagery barbarism, well, th but the point is, to argue somebody's savage or barb or, or or is acting in a barbarous or is that how you say it barbarous with with barbarism this, this blood libel is the argument that they're making up a narrative you know Jews did this and that's why they're bad well if you're saying you're a savage that's not blood libel that's a, that's just you're just insulting somebody right so when he says this is blood libel he's suggesting the story's false that's what that means okay so you show me what's false about it. The point is, this went out at a time when they were still denying the narrative, you see, and that's how this game is played. Before we get there, just so you see this, this is the suppressed voice pointing out that, you know, the flower massacre, paramedics are carting, look at all the, bottom line is, this is uh, uh, paramedics using a donkey and cart to cart away a whole bunch of dead bodies. I mean, I just don't know how you pretend this is about anything other than the obvious. Like, why would they be, like, even ask yourself why they would feel net the need to shoot people that were going for the aid. Like, isn't the aid for them? You'll even hear the way he discusses the driver as somebody who, that's not our person. Okay, so if you send the trucks in, which my point earlier is I'm starting to ask whether or not there was as much aid in there that we were told. I think there's evidence that shows that it might not have even been a, just like we saw with Venezuela, but aid trucks go in at uh, because of Israel, which we already know they haven't been allowing it, so why? Then everybody comes up to it and they start shooting at them. That seems like a setup to me. But why? If the only people that were there were the drivers who you already argued were not part of your people and you would shoot all these people to what? Defend the drivers? There's no other argument that makes sense unless you're arguing you don't want them to get the aid, right? You see my point? The aid is for them. Here's just the image I used for today, which is just sad. There's a lot of these images showing the food with blood on it, the flower bags drenched in blood. Oxfam spoke up and said, Israel deliberately targeting civilians after starving them is a gross violation of international humanitarian laws and our humanity. But I guess Oxfam is just Hamas, but so they're dumb and we shouldn't listen. Is that is that the game? Like, is that does that work for anybody? You're a racist and hate Jews, Oxfam. Is that working? Are you falling for that? I don't know anybody dumb enough to fall for something like that when you're literally staring at the bloody box they created. But either way, here's their narrative. 
Here's what the IDF put out 12 hours ago before everybody was quickly able to realize they were lying. This morning, humanitarian aid trucks entered northern Gaza. Residents surrounded the trucks, looted the supplies being delivered, looted. You mean the ones you were delivering for them because they were starving? How exactly do you turn that into looting? Either way, as a result of the pushing, trampling, and being run over by the trucks, dozens of Gazans were killed and injured. No mention of the shooting, which now they've been forced to admit. And then here's Adam, literally, you literally shot at them. Here's what I was talking about. It's darker, so you can't really see the example of... Like, so right there, what you can see is people on the truck. But if you ask me right now, I don't even know what that was right there. What was that shot right there? That was, that's what I think we're arguing was the tank fire. I don't know. But the point is, and that's not the only reason, by the way, it's about the examples of the actual shooting and bombing and the dead bodies. Point is, this does not appear to me to be chaos. People scrambling and fighting and trampling. I don't hear screams, right? But after the shooting, you do. I just hear kind of murmur, right? Lots of people in one place. And then you hear the shooting. And the point is, as the video goes on, I know you guys can't hear it as much because it's, I didn't, in, this is in not uh, the video I downloaded. You can just see it here, but the link is here as always. The point is simply the shooting starts. And then all of a sudden you start seeing people run around. Everyone's scrambling because they're getting shot at, right? And so this is, I, I think it's wildly obvious evidence that the trucks were there. They were on the trucks. They were getting aid. The trucks were stopped, and then the shooting began, and then people started scrambling. Pretty obvious, right? But here, of course, is what they put out in Hebrew, which is always interesting to me that they, like, okay, if there was an, ag an agenda here, why would they, wouldn't they just type the same thing out and then just put it out the same thing elsewhere? But they don't. You see, they put out a carefully crafted version for the U.S. language, and they put out another very carefully crafted, but more on the surface. Like, they, the point is, usually with the Hebrew version, they're much more deliberate. We killed these people. We hurt that, like, because there's a lot of hatred for Palestinians coming from that side. Here's what they wrote in the Hebrew version. Aerial footage of the operation to bring humanitarian aid into the northern Gaza Strip, showing how Palestinians crowd attacked the trucks. See, they didn't say that over here, even though they were posted at the exact same time. They didn't say attacked over here. Attacked the trucks, and as a result, dozens were killed from overcrowding, crowding, and trampling. No mention of the shooting. We'll come back to this video in a second. Now, here's what the, you know, I-24 said. Same thing, before we got all the information. Citing the IDF, of course. Early this morning, during the entry of humanitarian aid, it's the same point. Surrounded the trucks, looted the supplies. <laughs> My God. During, I mean, anyway, same point. I just can't, it's, it's insulting to pretend like these people, obviously they're desperate. You've driven them to desperation. But even still, it looked, the evidence seems to show that they weren't doing what you're saying. But during the incident, dozens of Gazans were injured as a result of pushing and trampling. It's their fault. It's their crazy, stupid fault for trying to get food. Like, think about how that framing is. Knowing there was shooting going on, here is what Ben Gavir said. Again, while he thought at the time of it that only you only thought there was their fault. It was these crazy Palestinians. So he did what he always does and the rest of them do. He came out and lied for that narrative. He took the microphone addressing the massacre perpetrated by the Israeli forces against hundreds of Palestinians and said, we must stand by our heroic fighters operating in Gaza and applaud their exceptional conduct against a group of thugs who attempted to harm them. That's what he said in response to what just happened. I don't know how you can see that and not feel like you want to throw up. 
The kind of person that will stand there and argue that murdering innocent people while they're starving to death is a bunch of thugs trying to hurt us. Even though, as even Negev here says, there was nobody there that was from... They hate these people, guys. Here's Cuds News Network telling you that the nursing director at El Shifa Hospital told Al Jazeera that, quote, all injuries resulted from gunfire, every single one of them, and and artillery shells, claiming the stampede was entirely fabricated. Every person they're dealing with is having has been shot by tank shell, artillery shells, by fire. There is no indication that there was anything other than that. Of course, you could say they're lying. You should question that. But all the evidence from every angle we get backs that up. The only thing challenging it is the IDF claiming otherwise. The only thing they have to show you is this black and white video, which I'll show you in a second. And I'll show you why they chose to make it look like the way they did, even though they have very, very high level information, uh, you know, HD, whatever. But Abir points out, they're not even making an effort to align their lies anymore. Again, this is what I just showed you, right? But they're, they're already reporting. They said they fired on Gazans who endangered troops in the stampede. So my point is that became... That's weird. That became the point. It became after people started paying attention and information started coming out, and they became aware that we saw it. They rushed to put out another narrative, and that's what usually happens. And the rest of them pick up the other side of it. The point is, after this happened, they said, "Well, it was because you endangered IDF forces." But hold on, they're claiming, as we're going to get into here, or was it here? Mark Regev is claiming that there was we weren't involved. There was nobody there. But we know the idea of shot people, they were forced to admit it. So even in this interview, he traps himself by trying to set up a narrative that had, but by, by, by back at even CNN goes, but wait a minute, what about this? And you and watch the way he struggles in this. They know they're lying, guys. I mean, everything they do is about lying to cover up what they're doing. I'm, t- I'm strictly talking about the Israeli government here, but see, that's how people use that, op- that broad statement to act like I'm talking about something I'm not. But our Tran Bernard points out in regard to this video, which they're saying IDF releases aerial footage showing how a Palestinian crowd in northern Gaza attacked the trucks. Attacked. After they had to try to rationalize the idea that they were defending themselves, right? But, I mean, you you show me an example of where the IDF was involved in there. So what you're arguing is that they were at threat, but they're not in there. So they're shooting from afar, sniping them, arguing that their drivers were in danger, but Negev says that wasn't their people. You see, if you just pay attention... It's it's almost as if they don't care that the other person is telling a different story right over there. But as he as uh, Arnard, Arnard wrote, imagine starving a whole people, then demonizing them for rushing in despair towards rare food trucks coming in. How could the IDF release this and not see this as yet another clear proof of the complete inhumanity of what they're inflicting on Gazans? You see, the point is they don't see these people as human. Specifically, the extremist Zionist elements, not all Israelis, not all Jews, Zionist extremists don't see them as human. They've told us that. They've said it out loud countless times, just since October 7th, way many more times before that. And so they put this out thinking you're going to see the same thing they do, but they don't realize by showing this, they're admitting that they did this to these people. And here's what Alon Mizrahi points out, Mizrahi, this footage is designed to make Palestinians look like insects and ants, not like people. The IDF has the most advanced image capturing equipment on the planet. They film and send this out to make you hate Palestinians and be indifferent to their deaths or even be happy about it. This is meant to visually dehumanize. I completely agree. This is the lowest of the lowest of the low. This is it right here. 
This actually makes me sick. I 100% agree with it. Here's what they show. So obviously they break it. They they give you this weird, uh, what is it, like negative inverse. So it makes them, they're, they're, it's the coloring that makes it look like it's a bunch of insects, right? And either way, what you're seeing is people coming up to these trucks. Now, look, you're talking about millions of starving people. But as far as I can tell, I do not see an indication of stampede. I mean, even right there, it does not look like people are scrambling. It looks like they're just co- collecting around these trucks. And by the way, there's a reason they don't put audio on there because the moment they start shooting is when this gets crazy. But you tell me, you tell me those look like people that are running around and scrambling and stampeding. It's not. I mean, they must know that. I just don't even think they care. Like these, it's just, they, they really must be this bad at propaganda or they just don't care. I mean, it's, it's, it's this the whole time. Okay, so you got the trucks coming in. I just don't see how this, you know, just like he just said, you've literally starved people to death. And like, I mean, let's put it this way. Even if literally everything they said about it was true, how can you blame them for acting out of desperation when they're literally desperate? Now, here's my point. Now, all of a sudden, you start seeing people move. The trucks start moving. People are scrambling because something happened. If they were desperately looting the trucks, that would have been the very first thing that happened. It wouldn't have been like, let's give it 20 minutes and then freak out. I can't. It's just, it's just painful. They know that the only people that will go along with it are people that would believe anything. They could show you a blank screen and say, here's proof that is that Palestinians murdered us. Zionists would go, I knew it. It's proven. We see it happening right now. It's every day. Now, Christine Amapur who, again, I have a very low opinion of in general. I think these people have been lying to us our entire lives for whatever reason, has an interview with Mark Regev. And I think we know why, in my opinion. I feel like I've already outlined it, that these people, whether I, I, I see people in her position as kind of the, you know, like Tucker was under Fox, people are just directed. They're just assets from this company. And they may not even realize that they're being led into a position of being, to, my point would be that from a level, whether she, she may be aware of it, but from a general level of the platform, they've been given the the the, the reign. They've been given a little bit of rope to go, yes, go ahead. Go ahead and tell the truth today because we need to regain some of their support because everybody sees what's going on in Israel and occupied Palestine. That's what I think anyway. You could decide for yourself. Anyway, it's not to say that we trust CNN. That's always a dumb assumption. It's to say that what's being said here is true regardless of who's saying it. And I think it's interesting to watch how Mark Regev responds. So this is about exactly what we just discussed. And she does in, in a way push back. I'm not going to play the whole thing, but I want to show you the beginning. Life is draining out of Gaza at a terrifying speed, the words of UN humanitarian chief Martin Griffiths, as more than 100 people have been killed whilst gathered around food aid trucks in Gaza City, according to the Ministry of Health there. The IDF released these drone pictures earlier, and despite disputed timelines, Israeli forces said they did open fire. A local journalist who witnessed the incident told CNN that the Israeli fire prompted a deadly stampede, which left hundreds of others injured as aid trucks and people tried to leave the scene. An Israeli official confirmed, as I said, that the IDF did use live fire, but said that the crowd, quote, posed a threat to troops. This comes in the context of a dire... Now, why would you use live fire in the first place? I mean, for crying out loud, they use rubber-coated bullets all the time on innocent people. 
And you got a group that you know is starving to death and you use real fire. I mean, all this seems un- impossible to reconcile. They're clearly doing this on purpose. And the idea being, even, even the, uh, what was the first part? deadly stampede which left hundreds of others injured as aid trucks and people tried to leave the scene. An Israeli official confirmed, as I said, that the IDF did use live fire but said that the crowd, quote, posed a threat to troops. This comes in the context of a dire humanitarian situation in Gaza where the UN says over half a million people are, quote, one step away from famine. Take a listen to someone waiting for aid earlier. Oh, I remember what it was. It was the part just before that, actually. So the point was, you have a, a local witness who literally watched the whole thing happen and tells you that they did it first. I mean, you, of course, you could always consider that they're lying. But at what point do you realize that it's you're, just, you're assuming into the fact that all the evidence is wrong and what Israel says is the truth? At some point, you got to realize how, how willfully ignorant that is in any side of it, by the way. Shame to say it. It's become normal because we have reached the level of famine. Tens of children have become martyrs because of the famine. I cannot wait until my child is martyred because of the famine. We all have reached the stage that we are not ashamed to go and get a bag of flour. Joining me now is Mark Regev. He's special advisor to the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Welcome back to the program, Mark Regev. Um, as I said, there are disputed timelines. Either the shooting was first and then the stampede, or the stampede was first and then the shooting. But the facts are the facts. There are dead and injured. I think the first question, if you could answer, is who were these aid? Who, who was this aid being driven in by or for? The UN. And the normal, you know, known aid agencies said that they had nothing to do with it. Do you know who it was? Four answers. That's a very interesting point, isn't it? So they were they were happy. So this whole time they've been telling you that the U.N. is lying. They're not letting aid in. They're covering for Hamas. Right. Then all of a sudden, in this weird circumstance, they were willing to let you think that it was their aid. The one time out of this whole conversation. Now, why would that be? Why would he not make it clear that this was there? Because they are doing it. And I think there's more to the story. That's my opinion. But obviously the point is, as he's going to tell you, that was their choice. They did this. You mean the group that's been not allowing it the whole time in a weird out of character action decides to let in these trucks, but a very small amount in this one time and then you shoot everybody? I mean, I kind of, I mean, this feels like a very obvious example of a setup. I know the following that in order to help alleviate. Oh, and by the way, I love the response to this very direct question is to, you know, a rambling answer about how, you know, the same things they do every time. Who were these aid, who who was this aid being driven in by or for? The UN and the normal, you know, known aid agencies said that they had nothing to do with it. Do you know who it was? I know the following, that in order to help alleviate uh, the food shortage in Gaza, that we authorized a convoy of, I think, some 30 trucks uh, entered uh, Gaza last night, headed for the northern Gaza. I mean, he can't even be honest about the amount of trucks that they used, which, by the way, I don't think we're even full of what they said. But it wasn't 30. You can literally look at the videos yourself. I mean, they just can't even be honest about anything. Strip. And uh, uh, this shows that Israel is interested in seeing aid and foodstuffs reach the civilian population. Unfortunately, uh, 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 we saw a situation where there was a mass uh, casualty tragedy where it, it looked like the uh, civilians were storming the trucks, wow. uh, uh, trying to, to, to take the food uh, um, out of desperation. Uh, and uh, Yeah, the food that's there for them. Like, I can't get past that point. 
Like, so you're only willing to give it to them in a calm, measured manner. Like the moment they want, like the fact that they're trying to get the food you brought for them becomes a problem. Doesn't that seem to show you they don't want them to have it? Like, I don't even understand that. Uh, and uh, people, uh, a, a crowd was pushing and shoving and, and people were killed. I can't tell you the exact numbers. I don't, as you know, don't trust the numbers put out by the Hamas. And people were killed, right? Just real quickly, just brush past how they were shot by IDF members, right? Out of desperation. Uh, and uh, and uh, people, uh, a, a crowd was pushing and shoving and, and people were killed. I can't tell you the exact numbers. I don't, as you know, don't trust the numbers put out by the Hamas-controlled Ministry of Health in Gaza. Uh, there were reports that maybe the drivers... Even though this military does. Were, ...were driving over parts of the crowd. It appears to be a tragedy, but I can tell you Israel was not involved directly in any way. What did he just say? She pushes back right away. Any way? You mean aside from being the one that orchestrated it, brought it in, and then the IDF were the ones surrounding it, and they're the ones that shot everybody? So what parts do you, I mean, that's every other part except the immediacy of them taking aid, but that's nothing involved in any way? He just trapped himself there, guys, because there's an effort. The effort was to make it seem like we weren't involved. But clearly you were. You just said you were. So, I mean, this is a, 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 one in a long line of clumsy efforts to propagandize. In fact, ends up showing that they're guilty over and over and over, just like that. When you say not involved directly in any way, what do you mean? I mean, you enabled these convoy, this convoy, as you said, and your forces are there on the ground and open fire. They said it themselves. What does that mean, not involved in any way? So the, this was, we, well, we allowed the aid to come in. We were involved that way. Oh, see, not, so there was a way then. <laughs> Oops. That, that's our policy, to allow food to go into Gaza for the civilian population. <laughs> Jesus. But in the incident of people storming the trucks and the way the truck drivers behaved and, and people... Storming the trucks. That's an interesting choice of words. Getting squashed and pressed and uh, uh, apparently there being mass casualties. Uh, Israel was not there on the ground. What? Okay, but they did open fire and people were killed. So I'm completely confused by what you're saying because they admitted, the IDF spokesman said it, said it on our air, that they opened fire. That's a a separate incident. Okay. Not connected to the tragedy with the trucks. What? That was a different place, different time in in the general location, but not the same incident at all. And I I have to tell you that we are not aware... Wow. That the idea fired caused casualties at all. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! They, they well, this is a, this is actually a really crazy statement to make. As they, bl- they, I mean, I just showed you the these Times of Israel article. They directly said it was at this location and the trucks and the aid. While they were getting aid, they were shot. That's exactly what they said. I think right now what you're seeing is this person trying to dig his way out of a lie he just got caught in. Well, I can tell you that a journalist who CNN works with on the ground has a different view of it, but maybe there were other incidents. That, obviously, you say are is under review, and we will hope to get further clarification. But here's the thing. So Israel is the only force in charge of security by your own announcements, by your own volition, by your own uh, actions over the last you know five months or so there. It is, as everybody is saying, Israel's responsibility, therefore, if you let these trucks in, to provide security. And this obviously comes in the context of so little food going in that people are desperate, as we've heard from the international forces. So it's important not to miss the point you said there, right? And this is the same thing like Jimmy, Jimmy Dore said in our last, one of our last interviews, right? That it's, and it's accurate that 
because they're the occupier, they have a legal obligation to keep these people safe. Right. And so the same point goes whether or not they're even occupier. Like the point is they control this as even as she said, even they keep stating they have control. This is theirs. They want military control, blah, blah, blah. Right. So if they're bringing the aid in. They need to protect that. But see, the game they're playing is to say, like, this is this is what's been going on for 75 years. They act like this is a separate area. They've got a border with their own territory, except when they don't want that to be the case. They pretend like it's, you know, they play it both. They speak out of both sides of their mouth about this for a very long time. So when they dump the aid in there and let it go all crazy and shoot everybody and blame it on them, it's because they want you to see them like the guy said is crazy. You know, the crazy Palestinians running around like insects. No, they're not human. That's what that's really about. They wanted that outcome. And that's why I truly believe this was manufactured. They didn't say they, they haven't been sending aid in, but all of a sudden they do. And they do it in an area where they know people are starving to death. And they it's it's obviously a manufactured casualty event that they wanted to blame on Palestinians. You could call this a false flag. First, and just to be clear, I mean, I've said it five times. That's my opinion. Aren't you the only law enforcement people in the Gaza Strip right now? Unfortunately, Hamas has not yet been completely destroyed, and I okay. should have been clearer. In, that, in the first incident of the truck being swamped by civilians, there was gunfire, but it wasn't Israeli forces. There weren't Israeli forces on the trucks or oh around the trucks. Oh, my God. Now, now he's going to blame Hamas for shooting them. That was Palestinian armed groups. Wow. We don't know if it was Hamas or other armed groups, but there definitely was fire. That we do know. Okay. So my question again is, Israel is the only law enforcement operation on the ground as you wage this war. Therefore, if you allow these trucks in, who do you expect to provide the security for them? Because every convoy needs security. I mean, I've covered this from you know time immemorial, back from Bosnia to Somalia and elsewhere. It all requires discipline, organization, and coordination and uh, security. Right. Who do you think should have been responsible for security in the convoy that you allowed in? So, so it's it's a difficult question, and oh we're grappling God. it with it with it, and we're talking to uh, the international community. He's just desperately running, guys. He's running. He has lost this conversation. He it, it, the the clear reality is based on the way he trapped himself in this is that they're legally responsible to keep it safe. So even if you want to lie and pretend Hamas was shooting at them, well, you should have been there orchestrating, managing the. I mean, okay, let's let's make this very clear. They have made sure UNRWA is no longer there. They have pushed them out of the conversation. They have made sure they've lost all their funding. And they've recently said they have officially stopped because they can't do it anymore. The World Food Program has said they can't keep their people safe because Israel's shooting at them. So they pull their people out. So literally nobody's doing it anymore, right? That's clear. So they then bring this in themselves. Hamas begins shooting at them. And we're at the, and so the point is that there, there, there's nobody else even in the situation who could be held responsible for managing the deployment of this aid. Nobody, not even the groups that are supposed to always be there. So, I mean, there's really a, no, there's no other way to look. Israel's responsible. So he literally trapped himself and it just shows you how little forethought they give this conversation. And I think that really goes back to the reality that for how for decades they've been able to get away with just saying whatever. And most of the media just eats it up. No pushback, nothing. So we've clearly seen a shift in this. As somebody says in the chat, oh my God, she's finally doing journalism. You know, again, I don't think it's because, I think it's because they've let that happen as an, as an, ent as a, you know, CNN entity. They, we know Alice Morrow and other people have told you they rein in what they can do. 
Even Tucker has been forced to slightly admit that, even though he said he didn't while he was there. When you're in there, you're controlled. So that's we have to think about that when she's doing this. Either way, I love that he's being called out. To the aid organizations, to the United Nations, to other partners who are relevant in this conversation, because, of course, we want to see the aid safely uh, reach the people. Now, it's quite possible. As- in case you missed that, by the way, I know I stopped it, but he just tried to, like, shove off responsibility to the very groups that they're calling Hamas, that they pushed out and saying, we want to work with them to make sure it's safe. So kind of making it their fault they weren't there, even though they pushed them out. <laughs> I mean, pick a side, man. Do you know Hamas has been stealing aid? That's been documented. We've heard people in nope. Gaza complain about this. No, nope. nope. you haven't. You're lying about that. And even in international groups, and I believe even Canada spoke up and said there's zero evidence that Hamas, and oh, it actually was the United States Department as well. The U.S. government said there's no evidence that Hamas has actually taken these. Let me make sure that's correct while this is playing. So is it possible? That- in regard to who said it, it's definitely a, a state-level statement. That, uh, that people uh, in Gaza don't trust that this aid that, that, that the international community is giving to the people of Gaza is actually reaching the people of Gaza and not being siphoned off by the terrorists. That could be one of the reasons to explain what's going on. Margaret, I, I understand that is what you're telling us, but the context again is that you have been trying to dismantle all Hamas infrastructure over the last several months, including the police. They have been bombed into inaction, and therefore they say, and the U.S. and others are saying, that this is causing chaos, anarchy, and a complete breakdown of civil order. So they're not there to help with any security, should they be so uh, inclined. And secondly, and this is really important, you, Israel according to all the UN and all the NGOs like the Norwegian Refugee Council, are preventing timely and sufficient aid from getting in, which is causing famine, starvation, hunger, desperation, and presumably can also lead to this kind of chaos around a rare aid truck. So why are you preventing the timely insertion of aid into Gaza for the humanitarian population. And let's just say the UN says it's halved since, you know, in the last month. They're going to blame Hamas and the UN. So first of all, aid is going in. And this, you know, as I said, aid went in last night. Uh, I think the problem that we're, we're, we're grappling with, and I'd like to tell you there's an easy answer. Aid is going in. The trouble is the internal distribution inside See? Gaza. Told you. Uh, and there, there are security challenges that we're, we've got to grapple with more effectively. And we don't want to. Oh, this is the point she just made. Whose responsibility is that? You're the one telling us you're destroying Hamas. It's obvious that that should be your responsibility, especially since you removed the other aid groups. Like it's, he's done a really terrible job by setting this up because by, uh, but he's proving to you that they've created a dynamic that made this destructive situation by removing the people who would otherwise do it and then dumping it in and doing nothing to help it go out, ensuring there would be chaos and, you know, murdering a couple people on the side just to make sure it goes crazy. Am I missing something? I mean, there's no way to misunderstand that. I see a recurrence of today's terrible events. And so we have to talk to the aid, uh, the, the international community and those providing the aid, how we can safeguard. He just said that you brought it in. You just said Israel put it in. And now you're just kind of saying, well, we need to talk with the groups that we're calling Hamas to make sure this doesn't happen. Like, I mean, I've got to be honest. Like, I know she's pushing back. and I know she's actually asking real questions here. But if this was a journalist that was ready to actually expose this, you would dismantle this person. I mean, my God, a, a child can see through these lies. And, you know, she, again, she's doing some real questioning here, but. It's very, it's simply obvious by his own statements are are setting up the reality that he knows he's lying. Call it out. 
had uh, aid. Now, we do know that there was Palestinian fire in today's tragic incident. Okay. So someone on the Palestinian side was there with weapons. Okay, that's your view. Nobody else has actually said that. Right. You are going to have it under review and others will probably as well. But let me play for you then Jan Egland, the Secretary General, the head of, uh, of the Norwegian Refugee Council, who basically says that trucks are still lined up at borders. They there are. aren't enough in- entrance points from the Israeli Gaza side right. and that so much minute checking is happening as to make these entrances really rare. This is what he said to me, and he said it's up to Israel plus America and to an extent Egypt to fix this situation. There is very little aid. There is very little uh, supplies there to start with. Pine power, actually, which the north is very hard. Crossing and reporting. So, Mark, ABC News reports that you are considering opening the Kearney crossing. And last month, the Biden administration was said to have asked you to open the Erez crossing. Is that going to happen? I don't know why she didn't follow up with the question she posed before she played the clip. So I can't uh, announce anything before it's decided, but I can tell you that those reports are correct in that Israel wants to work with the international community <laughs> to, to make sure the aid gets in. Oh and, uh, I mean, like, think about what she just said. Like, just some of what she said in a simple way. The same thing I'm saying. Literally everybody says you're lying. You're not bringing the aid in. They can see it. They're telling us that. It's not coming through. And his, art, his answer is, I know, I know. We want to work with them to make sure it happens. I mean, that's about as dumb as the U.S. after everything that happens going, well, we raised the question. We spoke with them and we ensure we made sure they knew that we want to see them follow international law. It's about as dumb as saying you're going to have them sign a document, right? So they murdered a bunch of children. But don't worry, guys, because the U.S. raised concerns. So we're good. We're all good because they they made sure to make a statement about it. Repeat what you've heard me say before. The people of Gaza, uh, we, we, we don't want to harm them. We want to see them receive the aid that they require. Oh, my God. Like, uh, I can't believe anybody would actually still say that with how many things we have showing, even him, even him, saying statements that show you that they think that these people aren't human. Or right after these kind of statements, making sure you make clear that, well, most of them support Hamas and most of them have tunnels. And, and he said that before. Most of these houses and schools have tunnels in them. So all you're really doing is admitting that you actually think all of them are targets while pretending that you don't. And there are logistic issues. There are problems on the ground. I think, of course, we've got to focus on getting the gay aid into Gaza. Right. But as today's incident shows, we have to work to make sure that that, that aid is effectively uh, distributed. There's no point to have yeah, And that's your responsibility. So he's essentially pointing at himself to say that we need to figure this problem out, but not actually what he's saying. You see what I'm saying? He wants you to think there's some abstract thing that Israel's working to solve. Well, if you were literally present and done something to do, you know, you just dumped it in there and then shot at him. That's what happened. And again... Think about the bigger picture. I'm challenging whether they were actually even delivering what they said. There was something, clearly. But as far as I could tell, it does not seem to be the full picture. Aid coming to Gaza and it's just going to cause problems. So we have to do both those tasks. And we, as a government, are committed in doing so. So Jan Eglin says that when they take their trucks in and he says, thankfully, theirs haven't been looted, he says they have a system, they have a delivery delivery route, they have yeah. a distribution route, uh, and they, they, they know what they're doing. He also said that they cannot move up north, that the Israeli checkpoints have prevented them from moving up north where the most dire situation is. Yep. We, CNN, have also conducted an investigation with all the geolocations and everything else, which show that Israel fired on an aid convoy February the 5th. Do that. 
Oh my God. But you know what's crazy? Nothing will happen about it. So you can prove they fired an aid convoy. That should be enough. There's no justification about that. Although, well, Hamas was hijacking it. Well, that's provably false, right? So it's, it's something needs to break here. The overwhelming amount of evidence, even now coming out of corporate media, like this is even more crazy than I've, than I've ever experienced in my life. At what point is the breaking point? What, what do, does literally everybody, including every government, every politician, every world leader come out and say they're committing genocide and shall we do something? The evidence is clear. Everybody understands it. The evidence in the world court, the leaders of the world, the human rights organizations. And by the way, that doesn't have to mean that all of them are honest. At many vying dynamic, they clearly are saying it regardless. And yet, right this moment, they're still starving children. Right this moment, they're still bombing innocent people. I just, this is the, the, the lack of control, the, the, the feeling of helplessness that is driving people to act desperately. And I'm talking about people not in Gaza. So there is a lot of insecurity that most say are coming from you. He also said that Hamas has their food. That's in the tunnels. That's with them. It's got nothing to do with the civilians. So this is about civilians trying to receive aid. So these are facts. And when you say you want to take more aid in, I mean, seeing is believing. How is how are the people? How is anybody meant to, you know, believe that you want it if it's not going in? So, so it is going in, and more will be going in. Uh, that's our commitment. Do you think we have an interest in starvation in the Gaza? Well, I don't of know. Course. Yes, yes, unquestionably yes. That's the crazy. Like, oh my God, he's clutching his pearls. Like, what are you talking about? You guys have openly said there are literally clips. I wish I thought to grab this of of the of the one of the members of Parliament. Let me see if I can even grab it or not. Parliament, but the Knesset. Let's see. Now it doesn't look like it pops up, but uh, literally saying in front of the community and the, or the, the Knesset that if we don't starve them, well, we can't use that to coerce them into doing what we want. I mean, in front of the entire Knesset. And yet here he is acting like, we think a starvation campaign? How dare you? That's blood libel. Yep. Same old thing. We don't. Okay. I don't know. I just don't I'm understand surprised. it. No, no, no. I, I think we are we are screening trucks. We are sending trucks in. Uh, the backlog is often on the Gaza side of the frontier because of all sorts of logistic issues. But to say that the UN aid going into Gaza, that Hamas is not stealing it, <laughs> that's just simply not true. The people of Gaza, they say that the, uh, the, the Hamas is stealing the aid. They're the that's people in, in Gaza, unfortunately, with guns. They can take what they want. And that's an unfortunate reality. So the question is then, have you disarmed Hamas or not? I mean, this is five months. Yeah. Have you, are you close so, to dis destroying them and preventing this? This is your whole raison d'etre, and civilians are paying. So have you, uh, how much have you destroyed them? By the way, he didn't respond to shooting at aid. He just skipped right past that. So, so Hamas has 24 battalions. We, we, we've taken apart 18, and we're well... This is not true, guys. I mean, this is just fantasy land. On the way to finishing the job, obviously, we can discuss separately. There are Hamas battalions in Rafah that are still in, intact, and we'll have to deal with them uh, when the time is right. But uh, Hamas's military machine as an organized fighting force is being crippled. What you do have, unfortunately, is you can have lone gunmen or small squads of people who can steal aid, who can cause problems, who can even fire a rocket here and there. They can shoot at our forces. But we are I thought there's this phantom nebulous enemy that you never see 
couple people here with rockets and they're shooting guns. And you never see, you can't prove it. So it's always there everywhere all the time. So what it amounts to is they can do whatever they want, wherever they want at any moment because that's there all the time. You see how that works? But don't prove it. Who cares about the evidence? It's as simple as that. And the problem in that dynamic is the power structures that take that at face value, usually knowing they're lying because they don't care, guys. This is what we're all fighting to change. This is the most glowing example of how bad this really is. I'm glad they're being seen, but don't also realize that it's your governments too that have allowed this to continue. We're winning this war. It's only a matter of time. Bit okay. of patience. This can be over. So a bit of patience, as you know, the international community and your biggest backers, the U.S., are urging no ground offensive into Rafa. Have you made a decision? Has the government made a decision oh, yeah. to, you know, go into Rafa? And if so, when? And added to that, do you think that there will be this ceasefire that has been <laughs> talked about? No, I can tell you right now, one, they've already said it 55 times that they're going to do it no matter what. So it's, I guess she doesn't know that or she's asking just to get him to say something in response. And two, the, the uh, actually, I just forgot one to, you know, go into Rafa, and if so, when? And added to that, do you think that there will be... Oh, the ceasefire deal, well, that, again, we'll, we'll make a whole point about that coming up next, that it was clearly another game that was been played. In fact, I'll go more into, into uh, extensively about this point. This is manufactured like we're talking about now. Like, literally setting up the conversation to make it seem like, whoa, we're almost there! Oh, everyone's talking, oh, it seems like they're just about to make a deal, and the reality of it is that nothing's changed. I'll make a point about this next. Because they want to set it up to make it look like Hamas is saying no. It's not what's happening. I mean, not, not exactly. I'll, I'll make it very clear next. This ceasefire that has been talked about. First of all, the, the, the ceasefire is dependent on a deal with the hostages. And unfortunately, uh, uh, I'd like to be optimistic. We're ready for a, a, a deal to, to bring our hostages home. <laughs> we want to see our hostages come home. We're willing to pay a price, even a price that is difficult for Israel, which is painful for Israel. But to get our hostages... And what is that? Giving up the prisoners you're keeping without charge? Oh, what a painful price. That's what he's talking about. Home, we're willing to do that. But Hamas has to be, you know, a part of a serious negotiation. And, and unfortunately, so far, it's not clear that they are. And, and uh, I'd like to tell you I'm optimistic that we can get such a deal which will bring a ceasefire. Unfortunately... Yeah, well, they've offered it the first week and ever since. The first week and ever since, every different, ever since then, they've offered entire exchange for all hostages and a ceasefire. That's just not what they want, you see. So they don't want that if it means they don't get what they want in the end, the end game. So they're not fighting for the hostages. They're fighting for their own agenda and the hostages are a, a close second. If ever, I mean, quite frankly, I, we've proven they've been shooting them, starving them, gassing them, flooding them, bombing them. As, as a, according to literally everyone that's come home, by the way, telling you that they were afraid of the bombings and they were being shot. The three of them got shot point blank. One of them 15 minutes later, a couple of them got poisoned by gas. Their mom tried to talk about it. Nobody wanted to admit it. I mean, it's just, they're literally Hannibal directing every single one of these people. I, I, I have to be doubtful today. It's not clear that Hamas wants a deal. If they're serious, like in November, we can get a deal, but it's not clear to me at all today that Hamas is serious. And Rafa, when will we see that? So here, I think, with respect, I think you maybe simplified the American position. The American position, which is actually, I think, in many ways identical to the Israeli position, <laughs> is that we can go into Rafa. We need to go into Rafa because there are those Hamas battalions there and you've got to finish the job. But we said we will create a humanitarian corridor and we'll find a safe place for the people in Gaza. We don't want to see civilians caught up in the crossfire between us 
Just, yeah, just na- lie, lie, lie. It was the same old thing. We're going to do the best for the Palestinian people, but we're murdering them right now. You're starving the children right now. You're shooting them on the way to the place you just told them they'd be safe. Oh, by the way, you've already been bombing the place you told them to go to that will be safe. Every one of them. Al-Mamasi, Khan Yunus, Rafa. You're bombing every one of them. You're shooting them as they go back to nor- the north. You're starving them with the aid. You are flooding the areas. You're causing disease. But let's pretend like you just want to make it safe for them. But by the way, go to Egypt because we don't want you here. I mean... I can't see how anybody isn't just revolted by this person or all of them. It is pretty overwhelming. And like I said here, I couldn't find the one I just recently shared. That was either the U.S. government or Canada saying there's no evidence that Hamas has been taking aid. But here's the U.N. official saying Hamas isn't stealing aid because not aid is not going into Gaza. But this is why they crap. They well, very clumsily. But to some people, it worked claim that all of the UN is compromised. Suddenly, we just ignore it all, even though they were the ones telling you to look to the UN 30 seconds ago. Or the fact that right now, if the UN did anything they agreed with, they would tell you to listen to it. But trust me, Hamas is a, the UN is Hamas, so don't listen to when they tell you that we're lying. Or the fact that there's no evidence about Hamas with the UN agency, UNRWA, but they just keep saying that anyway. I'd actually plan on playing the whole thing, by the way, but there was a couple points. But here is Elon Levy. After everything we just showed you, even his responses to corporate media. Here's what he said today. My heart goes out to the civilians who got trampled in a stampede and run over by God's truck. Oh, so do you even believe that first sentence? So you're lying about what happened to them. You clearly keep telling us they're all disgusting people. And yet, oh, my heart goes out to him. So that is an insult right there. You're being, you're being sarcastic in your, your statement about people who got killed. Sort of like the way you lie about Aaron Bushnell to achieve your own ends. But it says, I can't imagine the desperation of knowing the Hamas terror regime is hijacking vital aid. There's no evidence of that. Again, we just showed you that even the entities that are supposed to support them are telling you we can't prove that. And then, of course, while unrecovers it up, another thing they haven't proven. But lie upon lie upon lie, they're literally living on a foundation of manipulation. That's all of it. Their entire narrative. And again, they're losing. They're losing, guys. I mean, just look at the ratio. But it says northern Gaza is still a war zone. Well, how does that make sense if you're the one telling us you already confirmed northern Gaza? Then they, like, literally like a week ago, they just said northern Gaza was completely con- c- controlled. That's why we're dealing with Rafa and it's all going to be over. But if here's their main spokesperson for this one day telling you that northern Gaza is a war zone, well, that's them admitting that Rafa's not the end, right? I mean, it's just painful, guys. It says it's an area we urged civilians to evacuate four months ago, but it's all their fault. That's basically the point. There's no limit to the amount of aid entering Gaza. That's what he just said. Even Mark Regev just said something different, but this is the point. When you compare even their own talking points, they don't even line up. That's how actually bad they are at this. I don't understand it. There's excess capacity Israel's crossing. That's not true. They can prove it with everything. Other than the reality that they're withholding it from coming through. The problem is the UN is struggling to distribute. That's what he just said, guys. He realized that he's talking about the event that we just watched, and Mark Regev just made it clear that nobody was there. In fact, Amapur just said that according to the UN and the World Food Program, which I'll prove to you with their own tweets, have already pulled away from the area. So here he is, blaming it on a group that you call Damas that isn't even there because you pushed them out. I mean, think about how uncomfortable this person must be. Like, you know, if you're a psychopath, it probably doesn't matter. But imagine being in a situation where you know everybody knows you're lying and literally everybody is telling all the evidence shows you're lying. And yet you still manage to have these 5,000 sycophants continue to go, yay, lie more about Zion. It's crazy. 
But it says Israel's working with intentional part, international partners to get more aid into Gaza. What partners are those? I'd love for him to elaborate because you guess what? It's going to be the United Nations and the World Food Program. But he doesn't want to say that because that would make him look really stupid. But easy to do that these days. But it says, we will continue to assist the coordination of aid to civilians who need it. Well, shooting them, of course, while working to make sure Hamas terror regime you can't steal it. God, it's just wild, man. I can't, I'm really interested to see once we get past this madness, what the Eli Davids and Elon Levies of the world end up like. Here is what BM points out. One of several Israeli telegram channels, you know, like the, what is it, the 47 or 72 virgins one that they admitted was theirs, where they were cheering the disgusting acts that were being done to dead bodies of Palestinians and the, the manipulation of women and the theft. You know, they were cheering and laughing about it. By the way, today, there's some horrifying things going around on Twitter, which they're not blanking out. While they blank out things that prove Israelis are killing Palestinians, of course, no sensitive graph cover on this one where it shows a child literally, literally smashed like hamburger because they rolled over their bodies with their tanks. Trust me, you don't want to see it. There's things that I'm going to have with this whole thing for the rest of my life that I never want to see again. Point is, this is one of their Telegram channels where they are laughing and rejoicing as Palestinians fight for survival to, because they're starving to death and while they get shot. It says, quote, first footage of the blessed massacre, the blessed massacre. You can see clearly they're fighting for their lives, for survival. Cannibalism is the way we must starve them until long waited. Can they're literally laughing and cheering about these human beings starving to death. This is Zionists, guys. That's the point. That's what Zionists do. Here's Nora Erekat pointing out. The New York Times, even in even in the fact that they admit that Israel is opened fire on them. When you actually read through it, it's painful. It's like an effort. And this is my point about the way these media apparatus, these media entities really work. The reason that they're beginning to show you a part of the truth is because we are pushing that individuals and independent media. So they they they've lost the plot. They realize, oh man, like nobody's listening to us right now because we're over here saying Israel's not doing anything wrong, and nobody believes that. So we have to kind of give them something so they maybe think we're actually honest. That's how I see it. I know I've said it many times, but it's the truth. And so what we're talking about here is the New York Times going, yeah, they opened fire, but as she wrote, you're so dishonest. You sound more like lawyers for Israel, telling us twisted stories rather than journalists, basically trying to, yeah, they shot, but here's why. Here's why it all makes sense, ultimately. Justifying murder and, and, and genocide. Israeli troops have demonstrated a practice of shooting at humanitarian convoys, as even CNN just admitted, as well as Palestinians from sea and land, just say it. Exactly. But they're cowards. Now, let's get into some more of these lies around humanitarian aid. Some really egregious ones, too. Here's Elon Levy. Yesterday. While knowing they're starving people to death, saying states that want more humanitarian aid to enter Gaza should simply send it. In regard to the, both, I think he's both insinuating the airdrop, but also the trucks pretending like it's all coming through. It says Israel just successfully facilitated, they didn't, by the way, the airdrop of food and medical equipment. What they did is to essentially try to take credit for other countries doing that, but acting like they were facilitating the whole thing, then guess what actually happened? That's not even the truth. He says, there's no limit to the amount of humanitarian aid that can enter Gaza. Just imagine him saying that right now. This is the kind of gr grotesque reality that I'm talking about while you are literally knowingly lying while you're making sure people die. 
I simply said, there are a few things more despicable than lying about allowing endless aid into Gaza, while literally everyone admits you're blocking it, while denying the humanitarian crisis that you're causing, and even worse still, trying to garner praise for that lie that you are helping. But here is what one of these journalists, is I believe the Jordanian journalist, reports on the ground. The airdrop was performed earlier this morning, but it drifted into settlements in the Gaza envelope. So not Gaza. It says also Israel's military deletes a statement, which you can read here in Hebrew, which pointed out that humanitarian aid airdropped by Jordanian planes fell in Israeli settlements because of the wind. But they deleted it, though. So you didn't know that. And we're not pretending like he just did that. Oh, we just dumped all this aid. Well, Jordan did, but you didn't. But nonetheless, it didn't even actually make it into Gaza. But they lied about that. And you can listen to him and break it down saying about the incident, airdropping the aid, and this is in the settlement itself showing you the, the drop. Point is they just, I mean, the, you can't, there's no honesty here. And ultimately, I think it's really about ensuring that it does not end up in their hands while pretending that you're doing everything you need to do and it's everybody else's fault. Here's another horrible, this is so disgusting to me. So this is today. So realize that this is after they just massacred 100 people that were trying to feed themselves and they shot at them, then blamed them for fleeing after being shot, right? Here's what he wrote. Did you know there are 20 operational bakeries in Gaza providing over 2.5 million breads, rolls, and pita breads a day? That's, by the way, so that's trying to make it sound like one piece of bread for everybody every day. No problem, right? Over the last two weeks, the number of operational bakeries has doubled. So he literally wants you to believe there are 40 bakeries producing 5 million breads a day. That's actually what he wants you to believe and plays you this video of breads upon breads upon breads in these bakeries all lined up. It's a lot of bread. Now, what he won't tell you is that this is an old video. Not from right now. And he knows this, guys. It's not, it's not something that's even hard to understand. He is very aware of this. So while you just murdered 100 innocent people for trying to feed themselves, you lie about the fact that they that's not even, there's not even a famine going on. You're all being lied to by dangerous Muslim extremists. Oh, this is, a, this is by the way, this was what I was going to try to play. I'm going to go into this another show. This is a girl who's just, I mean, it's really hard to watch. It's, it's worth watching, though. She's having a complete breakdown. She doesn't understand how to deal with what's going on because she's a... She's a has a heart because she's a human being that recognizes that people are being murdered and that 15,000 children, no matter what narrative you spin, doesn't make it okay. And she's having a hard time dealing with these Zionists who she sees incorrectly, in my opinion, as her Jewish community. Because my point is, if you believe, if you're acting like her, you're a human being, whether you're Jewish or Christian or whatever else. And the people that aren't, who can pretend like 15,000 children being murdered or killed, however you look at it, is somehow acceptable are either a Zionist who speaks for itself, or you are a person who's been blinded by that, whether you're Jewish or Christian or anything else. Pretty simple, right? They're the only, as I keep saying, racists and Zionists are the only ones making this only about Jews. But now I'll come back to that. It's an important clip that I will play for you. So Elon Levy lies about this. So first, before we go into that specific discussion about how that is no longer even the location that is operable, and we can prove that, this is not new. This is the underneath the Kogat group also posting this fake video showing you that they are not what they seem. Realize how gross that is. This is a group that is literally about trying to maintain, you know, food and, and aid, and they're lying about delivering aid. The point 
is this is not new. And here is Oren Barsky saying, there's no famine in Gaza. There might be hungry people who are not receiving supplies from Hamas, but there's no food shortage. And he plays this video. I found it. So he puts on the video, February 8th, 2024. So he he put this out this month. This was, again, February 10th he played this. And the video, just same thing. Look at all the bread in central Gaza. So he took this video. Same thing, guys. That is the same thing. That's the same place even. February 8th, he put that on the video. So this guy took the video, knowing it was an old video. Excuse me, I'm having hiccups all of a sudden. Knowing it's an old video. Puts his own stamp on it. and And Twitter catches it. Food shortage in Gaza. He could prove it. Anybody blindly trusting what the fact check thing says, you're you're going to get lied to. So it's never think that I'm just trusting what this says. But look at it for yourself. Food shortages in Gaza are widely documented, with some people resorting to eating animal feed to survive. People are starving to death, literally starving to death. Children are scooping up flour in that's mixed with the dirt, trying to meet, feed themselves. He puts this out because he's a liar. The point is, this is already going on using the same narratives, even using the same locations. And this actually, uh, Raphael, who we've talked about in the past, saying, what level of soulless POS are you trying to achieve trying to achieve when you fraudulently overlay a fake date on a video so you can protect Israel from its ongoing starvation of Palestinians? This bakery, like almost every other bakery, was bombed by Israel. And you know what? We can prove it, guys. We did a whole show about this. That's where they're saying it is. This is the all Nusrat Bakery. Excuse me. The hiccups are killing me right now. And that is where they're saying this is. A bakery in all Nusrat Central Gaza. That, that is the same bakery. And it is no longer there. So do you think that Elon Levy doesn't know that? Do you think Kogat doesn't know that? They're disgusting. And this is not new even in that context. Here's an older version. This is a journalist talking about this. This is from the January 9th, 2024, last month. The Israeli government is doing a big push on Twitter the day before they're hearing at the ICJ to, to basically say there is no famine in Gaza, despite previously stated intentions to do so. Remember, no food, no water. And here, Kogat, same thing, comes out and says, before the war, 70 trucks enter Gaza every day. That's not true. It was 500. We just talked, gosh darn it. We just talked about this. It was 500. And here, even Kogat, the group that's supposed to be fighting for their aid, is lying, lying to you about it, gaslighting you while starving children. And IDF says neither the IDF nor the state of Israel are restricting food going into Gaza. They're just lying to you about it. And the point is, you can see multiple discussions about this. And this is the one I want you to see. Scenes from the Rafa market, January 8th. Oh, is it? Well, this is the point. They're trying to show you these scenes saying, look, January 8th, still up and, up and running, even though that market's already been bombed. That's the reality. But guess what just came out today? Same, lots of the same images. Market scenes at the Nusrat Central Gaza. Right. Uh, where was it? This, this market right here. That's what, that's what they're pointing at, just so it's clear. And 
again, citing the same group that's already been caught lying, caught lying about this. They're saying this is literally yesterday. Israel. But then what's funny about it, Israeli parody falls up and says, oh, excuse the new admin, please. He forgot that we bombed these refugee camp and the bakery four months ago. So it's not just the bakery, guys. The whole area has been completely decimated. Here's BBC. People sift through rubble at the Al-Nusra refugee camp. It's the whole thing has been bombed, guys. And the even the bakery and the, the whole market is destroy, destroyed. And they and here is the Israel main account sharing old images of the market. I mean, it just makes you sick to realize that at a state-sanctioned level, they're knowingly lying about things that don't exist while they know they're murdering people. So, I mean, how you don't see that as a as like a mal malicious ethnic cleansing genocide campaign, just like what they were training them to do in, in South Africa. <laughs> Damn it. Let me see what I've got coming up here. Here, let me, uh, let's see. Oh, it's going to jump ahead. I'm just, I want to hold my breath for a second. I'm going <laughs> to, damn it. I got hiccups all of a sudden. It's driving me crazy. Let me play a clip and I'll give me one second. Brzezinski was the strategist for Jimmy Carter and convinced Jimmy Carter to say, look, uh, the Russians are dominating uh, Afghanistan with a civilian secular government. Let's create al-Qaeda. Let's uh, back Osama bin Laden and give his supporters weapons to begin fighting the Russians. And uh, we can pull a coup d'etat there. And uh, the Russians will fight back. And then we'll say the Russians invaded. And it worked. Saudi Arabia made a deal with America that they would push the Wahhabi uh, extremists, uh, the Al-Qaeda, the most right-wing wing of Islamic parties, and it worked. Uh, essentially, Al-Qaeda is a contract army uh, for the United States. Well, the same thing was happening in, in Russia. What Brzezinski wrote was that America's faced with a possibility of not being able to rule the world unilaterally. Any... All right, I apologize for that. If I hold my breath, it doesn't get rid of it. But <laughs> it's so funny how long I've been doing this and how rarely that's actually happened. And you think it would happen more with four-hour shows. In any case, since I played that clip, obviously, you can easily point out that Israeli government has been funding ISIS in the same way, and that's a joint effort to seed the extremist elements around the world with the United States. So it wouldn't be too hard to recognize that they would lie about doing good things if they're literally seeding dangerous people around the world for their own agendas to destabilize for their benefit at your expense. It's not hard to recognize. The point is, the same lie they were spinning last month, they're doing the same thing again. And you can prove that the, both the camp and the actual bakery are completely destroyed. Here's another example. This person, another liar about what's going on, saying our old pal, uh, this person was in Rafa today. It's on the 12th. With the rest of the with the rest of Gaza, well, if you simply take a quick dance over to his actual page that he links to, and scroll down as far as you want to look and go well beyond October or uh, the twelfth of this month, what you're going to find is nothing but horrible things, documenting tragedies and people suffering in Gaza. You're not going to find any examples of candy bars. So what you're going to find is that this person went back to an old example and showed you something of a time when this was happening in Gaza. But this is the kind of stuff you're seeing. Just Blanket manipulation for any reason to hide what's actually going on. Just a couple of people that spoke up about this this clip on the 23rd saying, why don't you tell the truth that 80 bakeries were on the Air Force's target list and were targeted? Which, by the way, we've shown you this since the beginning. They know that. 
these current bakeries aren't struggle are struggling to provide fl- uh, to provide flour, and they are are not twenty as you claim. There are only fourteen working in the middle of southern areas in Gaza, in the north of Gaza, zero, which is where they're pointing at, and people are starving because of your military and brutality. This person points out the same thing we're saying. Well, they're lying. This is an old video, which we can prove. And if not all have been bombed and presently a bag of flour, which is this report's coming from corporate media, but I haven't been able to verify this flour going for a thousand dollars, United States dollars. If you could even find one, assuming you're not shot for taking one off the truck that's supposed to be for you. But it says most of the aid trucks are blocked for four months, four months from entering in Gaza. 69 trucks came through over the last two days and is only six, usually 600. Well, I heard 500 before the war. And, and this is, you can see people citing this saying $1,000, but I can't, I've, I've certain corporate media has made a similar argument, but haven't able to confirm it. This goes back to October 26th. Here's the article literally showing you when they bombed this bakery and the, and the, camp, the refugee camp itself. It says they let humanitarian aid in, then they bombed it so that Gaza would starve. Arnab Batrand highlighting this article from The Guardian saying the UN Special Rapporteur on the Right to Food, Michael Fakri, yeah, says the UN, quote, has never seen a civilian population made to go so hungry, so quickly, and so completely, in a, as in Gaza, and that this is now a situation of genocide. Given the extreme importance ICJ judges placed on the expert testimonies from the UN, this is a critical voice in the case against Israel. Here's what Fakhri said in more detail. There is no reason to intentionally block the passage of humanitarian aid or intentionally obliterate small-scale fishing vessels, which they've been doing for decades, greenhouses and orchards in Gaza, or West Bank, which is happening too, other than to deny people access to food. Intentionally depriving people of food is clearly a war crime, which, by the way, now that I think about it, is probably why they actually started bombing the, the donkeys. Now, I think large of it was about being able to move things around, but when you think about it, it's probably just removing any source of food because they were, and people were asking, why are they bombing the donkeys? There were two videos I saw. No reason, just bombing a donkey cart. Nobody's even around. But it says, uh, it says simply for being Palestinians, destroying the Palestinian people. It it says intentionally depriving people of food is clearly a war crime. Israel has announced its intention to destroy the Palestinian people. This is from the UN, by the way, in whole or in part, simply for being Palestinian. In my view, as a UN human rights expert, this is now a situation of genocide. This means the state of Israel is its entirety is culpable and should be held accountable, not just individuals or this government or that person. The speed of of malnourishment of young children is also astounding. The bombing and people being killed directly is brutal. But this starvation and the wasting of this and, and stunting of children is torturous and vile. It will have a long-term impact on the population physically, which is by design, obviously, cognitively and morally. All things indicate that this has been intentional. Now, one, you can drive the hatred in their own population, but they create the hatred in the Gaza population and Palestinians. That's intentional because then it drives the reality. They can point that later and say, see, they want to kill us. And the reality being is that most of these Palestinian groups have trained them, their group, their people following to realize that dynamic to realize how they're being played and to make sure they're fighting for a two-state solution and actually fighting for peace. Knowing that that's the best way to actually defeat this enemy and make best way to actually punish them. Because these people are, man- like imagine the, the person what people were showing today, the Negevs of the world and that Eli did and putting them in a position to make sure we all see them for what they are and that they know we all see them and they lose any level of influence in the world and hopefully get held legally accountable. 
The point is the first parts of that is probably worse than anything to them. But it says it was already a very fragile situation due to Israel's chokehold on what goes in and out of Gaza, which is always the case. So when the war started, Israel was very easily able to make everyone go hungry because they had most people on brink. That's the point. 500 trucks was already starving them. We have never seen a civilian population made go made to go so hungry so quickly and so completely. That is the consensus among starvation experts. But I guess they all work for Hamas, right? Israel is not just targeting civilians. It is just it is trying to damn the future of the Palestinian people by harming their children. God, that's scathing, guys. This is coming from the, the United Nations, which doesn't mean we trust the United Nations, but it means it has influence, especially for the average person. Israel will claim that there are exceptions to war crimes, but there is no exception to genocide. And there's no argument as to why Israel is destroying civilian infrastructure, the food system, humanitarian workers, and allowing this degree of malnutrition and hunger. And you should ask yourself why all these gigantic right-wing talking heads are ignoring all of that. And the point being that you can just just claim that, you know, well, human shield in the building. But once you look back and see 15,000 children, that's my point. There, as he wrote, there is no exception to genocide. You could just go, well, you know, 15,000 examples of human shields. It doesn't matter. You committed genocide. The intent was there. You stated it. And you've made a 70% human women and children have been killed. There's no hiding this. The, cha- the charge of genocide holds a whole state accountable. And the remedy of genocide is the issue of self-determination of the Palestinian people. Bakri also said that countries that cut unrefunding are complicit. I agree. Ending funding almost instantaneously based on unsubstantiated claims against a small number of people has no other purpose other than collective punishment. Of all Palestinians in multiple countries, the countries that withdrew this lifeline are undoubtedly complicit in the starvation of Palestinians. I mean, I can't tell you how refreshing it is, even if it's not genuine, that these things are being stated. For people like us, that if it's screaming about these things, and look, I'll be first thing I'll, I've said, I just recently said it. There are people out there that have been ringing this bell long before I've been talking about it, long before I even really understood what was going on. And those people, they deserve to be, I mean, my point when I said the other day is that some of the stuff that you'll see in some of the people that have been uh, talking about this for a very long time are stuff that I would disagree with, where they do end up in a way conflating the people with the actual agenda. But either way, there's been people that have been highlighting a lot of these truths for a very long time. Nonetheless, it still is refreshing to see that these people are, are saying it out loud. Finally, highlighting what's really going on. Here's the article. You can read it for yourself. Now, the last couple of segments here, I think, okay, good. We're pretty much at the end. It's showing you that they are, in fact, building settlements. That is the plan, and it is 100% going to go forward unless somebody stops them. Now, as they're starving and as they're lying about what's going on, realize that they're actively stopping this from coming in, both with Israel stopping it with all their checks, with their closing of the other crossings, all these different aspects of it, and just straight up bombing and stopping them and literally shooting at people. But they also, on the other side of this, they've got settlers that they let in controlled areas to stop physically trucks from coming in. So it's sort of like they can pretend like it's, oh, the, we, the people protesting, we can't control what they want to do while they go, yay, keep doing it. And literally giving them tents and areas to be, uh, they're letting them in. So this is not like they just came in and did it. You're giving them access as illegal settlers in an area that you claim is secure and giving them tents to stay in and acting like it's not your fault. While they're starving to death, Israelis set up a jumping castle, organize a picnic with popcorn and cotton candy, 
while preventing aid from coming in, by the way, which also is going to their hostages. So think about how disgusting that is. Do these people realize that? I mean, how do they not? How do they not realize that they're pro they're stopping aid from going to the people that you claim you're trying to get back? Meanwhile, more reports have been surfacing regarding death from starvation. Children's, infants, but enjoy your bouncy castle and your rave. Well, again, this one was the 23rd, and I've shown you examples going back weeks even further. This one is today. A hundred people just got shot to death because they were trying to feed themselves, and here they are having another blocking party. Protesters blocked the Kareem Shalom crossing, preventing aid trucks from entering. And it says, uh, the aunt of abduction says he was kidnapped from the party. Oh, I, I forgot. I was thinking it was about those settlers. This is what it was, an aunt of somebody who was abducted simply saying he was kidnapped and we have to stop this. And the point is, how do you, again, how do you not realize that you're stopping food from going to that person? Right? This lady, like, do you not realize that you're starving that person? It's been four months. What do you think he's eating, lady? You know, it's just crazy. I mean, they must believe the propaganda. In any case, the point is, this is real. It's ongoing. And it says, meanwhile, they're, you know, blocking the aid. Monsters, I agree. And again, this was on the 24th. But realize, they're laughing. These are TikTok videos or or other platforms where the IDF are putting out videos of their tanks rolling over food. Joking music in the background. So, okay, so there's only a couple of ways to look at this. Even if you want to pretend they're not starving, you realize that you're making fun of them. You are literally destroying food, having parties with food, having raves with lots of food, putting out videos of you throwing away food while these people are dying over food. I mean, you just can't make up that kind of disgusting hatred as these children are starving to death. Makes me sick. Multiple examples of this, by the way. Children clearly emaciated. Children literally on film starving to death while this person who would love to do whatever they could have zero options. You have no food. You have no. You have nothing you can do for them. And these children are starving to death. There's been at least 10 we can prove. I think it was nine we can prove. And they're having raves and just destroying food. And again, in case you didn't see it, UNRWA has now been forced to suspend, which is important because they're pretending that UNRWA is somehow responsible while they're the ones that created that little false flag scenario. But they're not. They're not. They're done. They can't go in because they don't have the funds. And the World Food Program said, well, they're now pausing on the 20th. So nobody other than Israel isn't responsible at this point, And they're blaming everybody else. Everybody. And I said the Zionists have now gotten what they wanted. It's only a matter of time until they use the suffering that they have created to push in earnest for a mass displacement to Egypt or elsewhere, wherever it ends up being. You know that's coming. <clears throat> now, again, what I said earlier, Philip Lazzarini pointing out that the, over the last four months, there's never been more children, more journalists, more medical personnel, UN staff killed in any conflict anywhere in the world. But I guess homo- human shields, right? Right, guys? I, I just, there's no, you, there's no narrative, no matter what you put on that, that makes that make sense. And what the, what's their actual narrative? Well, they're all Hamas. They're all with Hamas, all of them. No evidence though. But his point is it's with profound regret that we must now inform you that they have reached a breaking point. They are no longer able to help the people suffering. And this is where we get to the plan. 
or rather the, the hostage deal, which is a big manipulation. And it adds to the insulting nature of all of this while they're starving them, while they're holding back the aid, while they're shooting them for trying to get the aid and starving the hostages at the same time. Biden's hoping we're going to have a deal, he says, on the 27th, right? The point was, at that time, I already told you this, remember? There was no, the deal was in the works, but it was always the same point. Hamas has already made it clear. We don't, we, we, if you do anything other than a complete ceasefire and aid coming in and a full exchange is meaningless because Israel will go right back to it. They'll refuse the aid. They will recapture everybody. So all it ultimately amounts to is giving the hostages back to Israel and Israel continues to maintain its illegal occupation, continues to rearrest everybody let go and continues to starve them to death. It's not about winning out over Israel. No matter how you look at this, they're in a position where they either survive or they don't. And that basis that's based on whether or not they actually achieve some kind of stop here. So what's happening? Well, they offer all exchange for all hostages. Israel says no. And they have repeatedly stated that Reuters, the BBC, Associated Press, CNN, any of them, they've all said it, continue to refuse the deal. Actually, I I think I have one of them. Let me not. See. There it is. This was the recent one. I'm glad this popped up. Netanyahu rejects ceasefire proposal. So you never hear that in the video CNN Fox News reports, what most people look at, right? You don't ever get that. You get this kind of report. Hamas rejects ceasefire after Biden claimed deal was close. But it wasn't, though, right? Because what they claim was close was Biden and Netanyahu deciding what they wanted. They got to somewhere close. And then Hamas, that's not a deal. That's that's not going to work. And they, Hamas, rejects the ceasefire, even though there has been a full deal on the table since the first week. So you can continue to argue that Hamas, and so my point was, yes, in, in it's, it's accurate to say they rejected that arm of the ridiculous response to the full exchange. But so Israel has continued to refuse to exchange all of, the, so let's put it this way. Israel's continued to refuse to accept their hostages back over and over and over because they didn't get the deal they wanted. Right? I mean, that's, there's not there's no missing details there. Just because you think the deal might achieve some longer peace, even if you're right, that means you're allowing the people that you claim you're only doing this to fight for to maintain a situation where you claim they're with terrorists that want to rape and murder and do everything bad to them. So you you mean you're willing to allow them to get raped so you can do what you want to do in this agenda? Well, that's their narrative, right? I mean, really take a second and think about that. And so that's why they don't want you to realize that Netanyahu routinely refuses a deal for ceasefire because what he insists on is a total victory for Hamas. So he's made it clear. There will be no deal that involves a full ceasefire or us leaving Gaza. So wouldn't you think those parts are important? Don't, and this is why the families of these people are livid, why they keep protesting in front of his house, why they keep bursting into Knesset meetings, because they want their families back. And as far as I can tell, the majority of Israel also wants that. They, most of them also then want Gaza destroyed, it would seem, but they, all, they first and foremost are mad because Netanyahu is bombing where these people are. These things are mutually exclusive. You're bombing where you're telling us they're held. You are destroying areas where you're telling us they're holding these hostages. And they've already just killed it. What? How? I can't even count anymore. 
The ones bombed that were there that the people came home and told you that they killed? The ones they shot that were there with white flags? The ones they killed with poison? The ones they killed with flooding? The ones they killed and shot as they were walking out? The ones they killed before they even got taken to Gaza? Like, I mean, how many is we talking about at this point? Those are all IDF murders. They do not want this to happen. I think it's because they don't want their people back. My point is, this is an illusion. <clears throat> this is about making the world think that Hamas and everybody's about to agree, and then right when it's about to happen, Hamas says no. That's what it was. I mean, I, I'm not psychic. I said this about four days ago. I said, mark my words, Hamas, Hamas may take it, but there's no indication that they will, and there's no reason they should, because it amounts to effectively giving Israel everything they want for nothing in return. And so I said, and this is Eli David, of course, same liar as usual, isn't it ironic, he says, that those who shout ceasefire now loudest are also those who reject it? I mean, it's just such an insulting lie. And he knows that. I mean, he knows more than anything because I've been putting it beneath everything he says for a very long time. But I said more lies after Israel refuses to offer the offer for a full exchange of hostages in lieu of only a partial exchange, which is what actually happened. So they offer all hostages. Israel says, no, we only want some of them. And Hamas says no. And that's how you frame it? Hamas doesn't want a ceasefire? <laughs> I mean, how ridiculous these people are. And it says, even against the wishes of the very families of hostages they claim to fight for. Then go back to bombing where they might be. Here is a journalist who, for Washington Post, New York Times, uh, and so on, as well as a Jew herself, who she's made clear. She says, though these are, there are more, excuse me, some facts. <laughs> she says, there are now more IDF forces in the West Bank than in Gaza. Think about that in regard to not just the fact that they're no longer really doing anything. Like they're going to tell you they're going in on the ground. They are bombing and bombing and bombing and just murdering people. But there's also a large occupation force that is continually building into West Bank because they're growing out more settlements. All of that's illegal. I mean, even the U.S. says that. They just don't care. And I'll, I'll show that in a second, actually. I think it's right coming up here. One of these right there. That they've already taken 500, 652 acres of illegal settlements in occupied Jerusalem. Like, it's, it's just ongoing. Trump was completely okay with that. But also, more Israeli hostages in Gaza have been killed by Israel than have been saved. Yeah, just reflect on that. Not by Hamas, but the ones that they've admitted to, that they've proven the SOS people they shot because they made a mistake and then shot the next one. Again, a mistake 15 minutes later. Oops. No, they murdered them, guys, and they were told... I mean, let's remember that one. They shot the two of them who were holding signs and speaking Hebrew, saying, don't shoot us. They shot them both. One of them managed to get away. For 15 minutes, he was hiding, and they were trying to coax him out, and he was saying things in Hebrew, going, don't shoot me, I'm an Israeli. And they coaxed him out, and when he came out, two of them shot him. That is the story directly from the IDF. How does that make sense to you, other than wanting to kill these people? But either way... They have killed more than they've saved. Even the ones they claim they saved, I don't even, the one was somebody who just wandered out. I think it's obvious. But it goes on to say, Israeli police used more force against protesters for a hostage deal than those blocking aid to Gaza. I mean, what a perfect point, right? So what she said, she more, they've used more force against people who are protesting for a deal, like the ones in front of Netanyahu's house and elsewhere. Like, we just saw one where they were spraying people with water cannons than they do to stop people blocking aid to starving Palestinians. In fact, they do literally nothing to stop that. How does that not show you everything? And to the West Bank point, the commission of detainees 
Affairs and the Palestinian Society Prisoners Club, Israel has kidnapped at least 20 citizens in the past 24 hours. On the 20th, it's today. Including an injured young man, children, former detainees. <clears throat> Quite the democracy, right? Is that guy Hamas? It's, it, you realize this is not because, oh, they may be suicide bombers. It's just the way they treat these people. Usually they're naked. They put blindfolds on. They put them, they don't charge them with crimes. They just hold them for months, years. 20 people. Why? Because I think they thought there might have been a deal. So let's scoop some more people up. I'm telling you guys, it's exactly what happened last time. So that way they don't really, they let people out, but they've got just as many they took. It's all a game. Philippe Lazzarini also points out the consequences of donors freezing funding will not only impact our ability to respond to the huge, the humanitarian crisis in the Gaza Strip, it will also impact activities in the West Bank, East Jerusalem, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon. I don't think we thought about that. So this is effectively leaning into what Israel wants, and you're removing aid to people all over the place who are suffering also because of Israel, because of the United States, because of these situations. Lebanon, Israel. Jordan, Israel. Jerusalem, Israel. Syria, Israel, and the United States. That's the reality. And they were helping people that are suffering because of your government's belligerent actions. And it wasn't just Gaza. So let's just, just take the West Bank. What about them? You're going to pull funding for people that are suffering there because they accuse something of happening in Gaza? Like, it just needs to begin to be obvious. This is not just about what they're saying, and you guys know this. The evidence is overwhelming. Now, in the context of the deal and the hostages, to continue to show you both things we talked about today, the lies and the ongoing blatant lies, but also the use of these people, whether they're Palestinians or Israeli, using them for their own disgusting agendas. Here's Eli David. This is 10 hours ago, which again, I've shown you this so many times. Just look up words like Bebus or, or actually not that he doesn't say it in here, but look up words like border. I mean, I, I can just show you real quick. It's really interesting to me how much of this, so if you go to his account and it's all these people. And again, if you really do take a second and time it up next to the Hen Mazigs and Elon, Day, like they do it exactly the same. So all these words, let's do border. Take a look at this. So this is from February 9th. Well, let's just, well, we can do top or latest. Let's do top first. And you'll notice some recurring things that they just keep repeating. You'll see the barbed wire fence between Egypt and them going, why don't they take the Palestinians? Must be because they hate them. Must be because same thing, same point over and over. Oh, that one again. Oh, this one again. Same fence point. Same thing, different video. Same exact point. Oh, same point here. Why are you blocking it? Why don't you let them into Egypt? Oh, there it is again. Look at that. Look, the point is obviously borders coming up, but look at how many times they've made, he's made the identical, look at this, the exact same point. It's because these people are propagandists and they just regurgitate day after day the same things because it's the same thing. A lie repeated becomes the truth. You think I make, look at this, guys. I mean, it goes on forever. <laughs> it goes on. And the point is you do that with any of these examples and it's just the same repetition, usually about things that we've already proven to be lies in hopes that they trick just one more person that day. I'll include this. You guys can look for yourselves. The point today is about the Bebas family. And he's saying, this baby is still held hostage in Gaza. Which, by the way, I mean, how would he even know that? Isn't it possible that they killed him? Isn't it possible that something else happened? So think about that interesting point. What, so the point becomes, whether or not they know for sure, they want you to think that because they're using the memory of this baby to emotionally manipulate people. 
Because the sad reality is he was killed by IDF bombing. And it's something we can prove. He knows that because, again, one, because I keep telling him that, so he sees it, but because the world also has already admitted this. The father has already admitted this. But he says, sorry, but until he's released, no sympathy for crocodile tears of Palestinians. That's all. You're using the memory of this child to try to allow more attack, suffering, starvation, murder, genocide of innocent Palestinians because this person is disgusting. He says, want a ceasefire? Release the hostages. Well, this is the whole ridiculous game. That the, the ceasefire would release the hostages. You think he doesn't know that? He's just trying to play on the ignorance of people that don't know any better. And as I said, as you know, this family was sadly killed by IDF bombing as the father made public. And I'll show you next. And yet, even as you know that, you still use his memory. You lie about him, just like you lied about Aaron Bushnell and then deleted it. And of course, I tagged to that point just to show people that he's lying about everything. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, hold on a second. I know I had the... Uh, there it is. This one. I There's an important one. Okay, good. I'm glad. I, I don't know how I lost this. I had this up too. But I just grabbed it, so no worries. Shouldn't have even said it. <laughs> so the point is, this is the... Uh, you know, again, press TV. So people are going to find a reason to dismiss whatever, but look up, look at, do your due diligence, read the story. And obviously the video you can watch for yourself. Now, of course, on top of that, you could argue that Hamas is making him lie about it. That's also certainly possible, but that goes back to my first point because he's in captivity still is the point. And apparently all of the family, the mother and the two children have been killed. And he's on the record saying it was IDF bombs that killed them. Now, of course they could be lying about that, but this goes back to my first point. That ultimately, where was it? Here. If he's saying this baby's still held hostage, either they're lying about that. So the point comes down to that you don't know for sure. You can, you can reflexively say that guy's lying about it, but that means that you don't know one way or the other. So again, you're just saying that because you want to use him. I, don't, I mean, I think that's very clear. But overall, here's Dan Cohen making the same point. In reporting on the deaths of the Bebus family, which is the reality, by the way, guys, that's what I need you to understand. CBS even is forced to acknowledge that they were in fact killed by Israeli airstrikes, not Hamas. Instead of pressing Israeli officials on slaughtering their own people, in addition to 20,000 Palestinians at the time, the reporter shrieks at a Hamas official. We showed you this clip. Israel can never be questioned, but by the Western media, at least not this point then, even when it kills its own people. So realize at this point, it's a provable reality based on the video of the father and the due diligence in general of both Dan Cohen and even the, the media coverage of the C of CBS with officials from Israel that they were forced to admit that they did in fact get killed by IDF bombings. And that's not new. We have multiple examples of that. Hostages have come home and told you that people died by IDF bombings. I mean, they, they're so trapped by this whole thing. And he, again, the point. Here, this person is knowing this child is dead, using his memory to try to emotionally manipulate you into allowing more suffering of Palestinians. I mean, guys, this is going to go down as one of the worst, like the, this is what the, the lowest rung of humanity. This person right there and everyone else acting like him. Now, lastly, or I think the, oh, I guess like two last points is to realize that they are, in fact, building. Going off the ceasefire deal and the conversation, like, one of the main things I think they're trying to keep this off for, they're quite literally building things already. 
on Gaza side. That I already showed you they're already plowing certain fields. They've already laid the ground. I mean, going back to that image I showed you, they, they, there's no reason to flatten an entire city block unless you're going to do something. You are literally destroying it down, even removing the foundations. You're building something. That's not Hamas, guys. It's not about Hamas. It takes a special kind of stupid to not see what that is exactly, especially while they're talking about it. We're building settlements. We're going to roll these settlements out. They're telling you. Here is an example of a woman, kind of, I think it's one of these TikTok videos, showing you what I keep showing you. The video of that one settler telling you directly to Biden, we're going to do this, we're coming, you can't stop us, and yet we're all debating in the you know stuffy circles of the corporate media whether or not it's real, can we? They're telling you! <laughs> they've got plans and they've got conferences, they've got money earmarked, but let's debate it. I address directly to President of the United States, Biden, here from the small Israel to the big United States of America. Don't think that we will stop the war in Gaza and resettling the entire area of Gaza by Jews. All right. It's not hard. I mean, was that confusing? She's very clear. Are you listening, Biden? We are going to do this. We are going to resettle Gaza by Jews. All right. So it's a very clear racist colonial settler project. I mean, that's the, that's the literal definition of only Jews allowed, settler, and we're occupying your land, and we're going to build our settlements. I mean, guys, it's just it's embarrassing. But according to Elon Levy, that that's a that's blood libel, because the truth is dangerous, right? You, you can watch it for yourself. I mean, it's just, we've been showing you this lady over and over. She's just this champion of these illegal settlements. But uh, Oren Ziv, who is a journalist at 972 Magazine, is showing you examples of how they are building stuff in the site. And here's the main point. The point is, look at all the IDF members just watching them do it. Do you think that's an accident? The guys, the government is literally allowing them to do this. Shouldn't be shocking to anybody barely paying attention. But for those pretending like it's not happening, you can see them. They're building things already. And by the way, that's ultimately what they're admitting. Oh, that's the wrong one. This one. And just so you know, that's what they're doing. They're telling us that. Like, that's what they're doing. All these IDF members just watching them do it. Look at that's like the beginning of some kind of structure. It's just, it's incredible. And here is the Times of Israel. Likud ministers promote conference on reestablishing Israeli settlements in Gaza. Well, let's, let's debate whether it's happening. It might be, it might be blood libel. Here's Yanis Tarawi. I've already shown you this one. This is from a while ago, last month. Settlement Gaza map region. Here are the settle. Here's that woman settler right there with a bunch of Israeli ministers telling you, listen to it. We're going to do this. We're going to build these new areas. We have this conference. Here's the map of where these settlements will go inside of Gaza. But I wonder if it's actually happening. What do you think? Here, Abir pointing out, look at the American flag. That's the day after plan for Gaza. More settlements. That, that's literally an American. Oh, I, well, you might not be an American. I might just look closely. I do see differences, but you could just be an IDF member. But it well, kind of looks to me like an American. Either way, holding an American flag showing you an advertisement for Blue Creek construction building in Gaza. <laughs> but again, I don't know. I don't know. Let's debate it. Maybe it's not happening. 
Freddie Pontone points out in a general sense, the bigger point that it's well, not bigger, but also that it's happening in the West Bank and elsewhere. They're, I mean, Israel is illegally occupying in Syria, illegally occupying in Lebanon, illegally occupying in Gaza, Palestine. Nothing new. But as it says, under the cover of war, Israel plans to build new neighborhoods for Jews, only Jews, in Jewish Jerusalem. Interesting how that's not racist, but that's an illegal act, according to anybody in the world. And I showed you this earlier, Reuters, citing the Israeli Ministry of Defense. They've now confiscated 652 acres near the illegal settlement of Madal Adamim in occupied Jerusalem. 652 acres confiscated from Palestinians. That's what that means. Why? They didn't have a permit. Well, you put them there 20, 30, 40, 50, 70 years ago, and you never gave them one, despite them trying to get one for 70 years. That's what keeps happening. It's the most embarrassingly obvious situation in the world, and all these politicians screaming about human rights just don't care. Now, here's a great example of this exact discussion. So as they're literally building settlements that otherwise they'll deny in the context of the international law conversation— what they're doing, as what we keep telling you, is calling for Jews anywhere else in the world. Come settle on this illegal area. Which, in a way, I mean, which literally makes them human shields. Because this is an illegally occupied area. This is an ongoing battle, right? It's an ongoing war, even according to Israel. So you're going, come, come, bolster us. Let us, the Zionist government, sit back and you guys can be the settlements along the border. The point is, they're calling for people all over the world. Here is an American Jew speaking up about how they're literally putting out advertisements. I feel like I said literally that today. Putting out advertisements for people to come take stolen West Bank settlement homes from the United States. But only Jews, though. And guess what he shows? He highlights that that's against the law for many reasons. But you know what? If it's Israel, I guess it just doesn't matter. Hi, uh, my name is Rich Siegel. Um, I'm a 25-year homeowner here in Teaneck. I'm Jewish. The reason that I'm telling you that I'm Jewish is because I have a concern about something that's going on in the Jewish community. On March 10th, there is scheduled to be an Israeli real estate sales event at the Keter Torah Synagogue. That event <laughs> violates both domestic law and international law violates domestic law because we had a Civil Rights Act in 1965 and a Fair Housing Act in 1968. We don't allow real estate events to be for whites only, for Jews only, yep. for anybody only. Now, But no one's going to say anything, right? Because you don't want to be called a racist somehow, even though it's literally racist to do what they're doing. As Jews, we don't get to fly under the radar and break the law and hide it in a synagogue. It violates international law because uh, West Bank settlement homes are going to be available for sale at this real estate event. On the website, it lists three different West Bank settlements. Think about Those that, settlements right? are in and of themselves illegal. They are. By international law. If we allow this sale to go through, we are enabling a local synagogue to violate both domestic anti-discrimination laws and international law. Now, there's other reasons we shouldn't allow it, okay? There's a genocide going on right now 
I don't care who that offends. More than 35,000 people have been killed. More than 13,000 children have been killed. People in this community are in deep mourning. People in this community are angry. I'm angry. What this real estate event is going to do is it's going to fan the flames. If it goes forward, there will be a demonstration. I know there's going to be a demonstration because I'm going to organize it. Well, of course, people like Ben Shapiro would call him a trash non-Jew, right? Telling him he's not Jewish simply because he doesn't agree that this is not a genocide, which shows you the only problem is people like Ben who allow genocide, right? It's the only problem in that situation. You know, you, you somehow you're not your religion because you don't you know, b- blindly gaslight for genocide. I and mean, what kind of special, horrible thing is that? <clears throat> but the point is, guys, it's obvious. What they're doing is literally setting up, again, I'm just saying, setting up promotional sales events for illegal land being stolen from people being murdered right now, both in the West Bank and Gaza, by the way. I just can't get past how crazy that is. And everybody knows it's wrong. Even the U.S. says it's wrong. And somehow it still happens. Where are the local police? Where are the people that are supposed to be forcing the law? It is a crime, both domestically and internationally, but nobody seems to care. And lastly, we'll end on this. And there's got a couple of clips that will give us probably another 30 minutes here. It's just to show you, again, basis of lies have been a big part of the conversation today, right? Well, we already know that they've been caught lying about almost every atrocity propaganda push they've done throughout this, all of them. But just to follow up on that, to add to the bigger picture, these are this is the bigger picture of those lies, whereas we went through a lot of individual mat, you know, propagandist aspects of it where they're lying about certain effects or certain topics. Cuds News Network shows you a new investigation by The Intercept has confirmed that the Israeli Zaka uh, search and rescue group, which was responsible for the rescue operations following October 7th military operation, Again, the group that was go, some of the first in the scene to some of these terrible things who we now know of lied about what happened, they should be the first we start questioning about either IDF or this group from whether they staged these events, what maybe they did things they're disgusting. We should very really ask that right now because we are proven that they've been responsible for these and we know that some of these events have been staged, moving people around to claim they were raped and they were not. So we need to start asking what actually happened here. If you're willing to lie about some of these horrific things, what else would you do? That's going to offend somebody. I don't care. These are valid questions based on what the evidence presents. And it says that they were respond that, that basically uh, they confirmed that they did. They had in, invented atrocities and accusations of beheadings and rapes against the resistance to help Israel carry out genocide in Gaza. This confirms a previous investigation by the gray zone, which also proved that Zaka leveraged that publicity to raise unprecedented sums of cash. Here's a clip by Crystal Ball. Just again, you know, a lot of people have been breaking this stuff down for a long time. So it's important to recognize that there's been a lot of people that, you know, it's the same way this always goes. You end up getting people that are kind of on the cusp of the corporate media that kind of package together what a lot of people have been screaming about and it gets a lot of reach. So, you know, it is what it is and it's frustrating that it happens that way. And we should make make sure that we try to get people that are not on, you know, what I would argue are are dangerously overlap with the corporate media to be the people that get the credit for all the work that's being done. Find the people out there. I'm not even talking about myself. I'm plenty of people out there that have been hounding along with these, like, again, like the groups we're talking about, the independent platforms. But again, nonetheless, this is still a video that I think is good, well done and important to talk about so we can see this but realize how clear this is. We all know this. 
They're running from this. The evidence is overwhelming. It's just a question of when your supposed leaders decide to do something about it. Massive scandal is developing at the New York Times, where it has now been revealed that the co-author of a discredited article on rape on October 7th, liked genocidal posts on social media, is a former member of an IDF intelligence unit, and had not even worked as a journalist at all prior to taking on a central role in Times coverage. The Times is now investigating the journalist, a woman by the name of Anat Schwartz. But the questions about this incident go so far beyond this one journalist and her appreciation for psychopathic social media posts. So here is the backstory on December 28th. By the way, really quickly, for some reason in my mind, I was mixing up Crystal Ball with somebody else. But either she's uh, this person, just to make it clear, is 100 percent corporate media. So that's make sure you recognize that. And that might make my point even more clear. The New York Times published and news alerted what appeared to be an extensive investigation into one of the most fraught and contested parts of the Israeli October 7th narrative, that sexual assault was used by Hamas systematically as a weapon of war on that day. The piece was headlined, Screams Without Words, How Hamas Weaponized Sexual Violence on October 7th, and the byline named three different authors, Jeffrey Gettleman, Anash Schwartz, and Adam Sella. Now, the fact that Hamas committed atrocities on October 7th is not in dispute. However, certain particularly horrifying anecdotes claimed by the Israeli government have fallen apart under scrutiny by Israeli outlet Haaretz. These debunked claims include that 40 babies were beheaded, that a baby was found in an oven, and that a pregnant woman had her baby cut out of her, among others. It is no accident, of course, that these stories were propagated. This agitprop about the barbarism of Hamas was crucial for Israel in their attempt to justify a barbaric assault on the Gaza Strip. So this piece, Screams Without Words, was published by the New York Times purporting to back up Israeli assertions about widespread rape on October 7th. It was incredibly significant. But no sooner had the piece been published that major problems emerged. The family of a woman murdered by Hamas, who was presented as a central figure in the New York Times narrative about widespread rape, denounced the story in furious and unequivocal terms. They claimed that when the Times interviewed them about their murdered loved one, Gal Abdush, under false pretenses, the family said that they had no indication Gal had been raped, no evidence to support such claims, did not that. believe them to be true, and that they had no idea that the Times had planned to say that Gal had been raped. So just take a second and resonate on that first. You know, really, they knowingly misrepresented what that person went through. So, and first of all, if they were going to do that, clearly they don't have evidence to claim these things, right? So this is a coordinated propaganda campaign to manufacture an illusion about what happened using f- real people. I guess, I guess hoping that they would just toe the line because support Israel no matter what. Like that's what they've always leaned into, right? But these people don't want to go along with it. She spoke up and said, no, that didn't happen. So just think about how crazy that is that they went out of their way to manufacture the story using her story, knowing she would see this, knowing they lied about her and thinking that just wouldn't blow up in their face. Or is it just that desperate? Maybe both. I guess it's kind of hard to, to kind of reflect on what this must be like right now for the people who have been pushing this as if you're the only one in the world that doesn't see it, right? You're such a crazy anti-Semite. How everybody, and it's, think about that. Like, think about how insecure that must be right now. It's hard not to feel good about that because these people are disgusting in my opinion, but at the end of the day, some of them might be manipulated, but they have lost control of this. Now, it's just a matter of time before some major event gets pushed into our view to try to pull this another way, but hard to see this not continuing to end up in somebody going to jail. I mean, how do you end up with this with not with, I mean, I'll have to wait and see, but 
At the very least, Netanyahu, but I think we know it should be more than that. Multiple family members told the Israeli press that the media invented the story and demanded that they stop spreading lies. Gal's story comprised no less than one-third of the lengthy Times report. And that was really just the beginning of the problems with that report. Key witnesses were caught telling inconsistent stories to different news outlets. Screams Without Words had relied on the testimony of a volunteer with an ultra-Orthodox nonprofit called Zaka that had been caught fabricating some of the most visceral debunked anecdotes about October 7th, including that one about the 40 beheaded babies. So here's kind of my point, though, is like, has, has you have you not already heard this base uh, other than the port about the new additional part about the New York Times aspect, which is public information? Have you not already heard this kind of compilation from 14 different people, myself, Max, I mean, a lot of people. So I just think it's interesting. That what is it about the dynamic today that makes this video become the viral part of it? Like, I'm not even really unhappy about that. Like, I'm glad this is getting reach. I'm glad I don't, I actually don't really dislike her that much. I just don't like the corporate media side of this. And it makes you wonder why is it not groups like us or anybody else that's been screaming? How about electronic intifada? I mean, they they are a, in my opinion, a very reputable outlet that has very obviously high concern about human life, and they have been talking about this longer than most. And why don't they get all the recognition? Why aren't they the video? And he's made a lot of great videos just like this that get. I just find that interesting. It's frustrating, right? That's the controlled flow of information. And even when we're winning in certain ways, we're not really we're getting it what the, the version that they allow us. If you look at it like that, isn't that frustrating? Anyway, I'm done. I'm done harping on that. I just think it's so interesting. Now, again, great video. Don't let me diminish the, what she's saying. And the Times itself, well, they appear to lose confidence in the reporting. As our colleague Ryan Grimm, along with Daniel Bogoslaw, reported for The Intercept, an episode of the New York Times flagship podcast, The Daily, had been planned to detail the reporting from the sexual assault piece, which had originally been much hyped by the New York Times newsroom. But as the quote-unquote reporting in the piece fell apart, The Times was left with a major dilemma about what to do. Should they ignore the problems, stand by their shoddy reporting, and push out the daily episode as recorded? Should they edit the daily episode and attempt to correct the record, add caveats, and effectively admit the problems with that original report? Or should they take the coward's way out and just shelve the episode entirely? Now, a responsible outlet would either correct the original story or retract it, given the serious journalistic failings that have been brought to light. But the Times chose to keep their propaganda piece as is, shelve the daily episode, and hope that everyone just moved on. Incredibly, the lead author of that piece, Jeffrey Gettleman, was at great pains to explain that as a journalist, he did not see his job as providing evidence for his reporting claims. Wow. Take a listen. I, I don't want to even use the word evidence because evidence is almost like a legal term that suggests you're trying to, to prove an allegation or prove a case in court. That's, that's not my role. Um, we all have our roles, and, and my role is to, is to document, is to present information. Propaganda. Right. Without facts, it's a narrative. That's pretty embarrassing. I don't know whether you realize what he just said or not, but wow. Nation is to give people a voice. So if this investigation didn't include evidence, what the hell are we doing here? Right. But as if all of that wasn't wild enough, we are now learning some absolutely shocking things about the background of the second reporter on that piece that aforementioned Anat Schwartz. Before she goes into that, realize the, the, the more the point on that. Is you know so if without without facts there's propaganda but so what he's ultimately admitting and I, it's weird it's almost like you don't think he doesn't seem like he recognizes that is that he has been trained into this field to think that that might actually be what journalism is like I, I, either way 
what he ultimately admitted is that what mainstream journalism is, is simply defending narratives. We all know that, actually, but he basically just said that is constructing the narrative. Like he may think he's the right side, but with, uh, her, to her point, without facts, you're just defending a side. I, I think we all actually know that's what's going on today, even even in independent partisan media. Shout out to the squirrel for doing this digging online. First of all, on October 7th, a not like to post calling for Gaza to be turned into a slaughterhouse. This post was so overtly genocidal in its rhetoric that it was actually cited in South Africa's filing at The Hague. The post read, in part, one principle that needs to be abandoned today, proportionality. Need a disproportionate response. May Israel see what she is hiding in the basement. If all the captives are not returned immediately, turn the strip into a slaughterhouse. If a hair falls from their head, execute security. Sounds just like. Kid Rock. Prisoners violate any norm on the way to victory. The post goes on to explain, quote, those in front of us are human animals. Anat also apparently liked a post about that 40 beheaded babies lie and another one calling for an effective propaganda operation to equate Hamas with ISIS. Love for our journalists to be out here explicitly advocating for propaganda campaigns. This is completely insane. If a journalist had liked similarly genocidal posts calling for Israel to be turned into a slaughterhouse, right. it would be a national scandal. The entire New York Times leadership would be dragged in front of congressional hearings and summarily fired. In fact, New York Times forced out a prominent staff writer who was not involved in Israel-Palestine coverage simply for signing a letter opposing Israel's genocide in Gaza. Wow. The International Court of Justice, of course, has now agreed that it is, in fact, plausible Israel is committing genocide. Now, after Anat's posts were exposed, she locked down her Twitter account, deleted most of her history before returning. But while she can delete her social media history, she can't really so easily delete her professional past, which, if anything, is actually even wilder. So apparently, prior to landing this plum gig at the New York Times, Anat Schwartz had never worked as a journalist, never published a single piece anywhere ever before being scooped up by the Times in November, just after the October 7th attack. She had been working as a small-time filmmaker. Perhaps the Times was looking for someone with a flair for the cinematic. Come on. I mean, I think, my opinion, obviously, that was placed there. Who do you think by? You guys can decide for yourselves. That doesn't happen. New York Times doesn't just hire some random non-journalist who first-time writes about stories that are being propagandized by the Zionist agenda. I think you know what place that there that but I, I'm this is my opinion. I mean, I'm not like trying to hide it. The point is, it's obvious to me that it would appear that's a Zionist tactic to place somebody in a controlled platform. But that's my opinion. And I'm just hypothetically, hypothetically uh, presenting one of the possibilities that is obviously there. Right. The point clearly is that we can prove that these Zionist entities are absolutely influencing the outcome. I mean, that's what she's literally highlighting here. So the question should be, is it as far as to literally be able to place people in these fields? We could talk about politics in the same way. Now, before they try to conflate that with you saying Jews are somehow controlling these things, well, that's not what I'm saying. That's the game they would love to push in. The reality is about Zionism. And let's realize there are Christian Zionists that are just as concerning to me. So it's not, the game is about trying to make it about racism when it's really not, other than Zionists and and uh, and was the word anti-Semites or what I use? Yeah, anti-Semites and Zionists making it about Jews. That's the only thing that makes sense. Really think about this. Actual journalists spend their entire careers dreaming of a New York Times byline. The Times, after all, is the holy grail of elite journalism. Yeah. And this lady, with literally zero experience, somehow 
gets brought in on a highly sensitive investigation on one of the most fraught topics imaginable. How the hell did this happen? But Anat is not only a former filmmaker, she is also a former IDF soldier who served, I kid you not, in an Air Force intelligence unit. 8200. That's what we're talking about. The same thing that Whitney talks about. They're seeding these things in. And and clearly, we're seeing an example of the media side of that. So the lady with the genocidal social media posts with no prior journalism experience and a background in Israeli military intelligence was contracted to report on a piece which perfectly served Israeli government propaganda efforts at the time. What is happening here? Ryan, of course, has been doing great reporting as usual. He's got it from several sources. Oh, well, thank you. That's nice of her to say. The Times is parting ways with Anat. It's already been reported she is under investigation. But at this point, those actions seem like convenient scapegoating to cover up much graver questions. Who brought this lady in? How did they find her? Who Mm. greenlit this piece? Why have they not addressed the journalistic collapse of their supposedly blockbuster investigation? And what other Israeli propaganda and lies are they currently laundering? It's not only the New York Times, by the way. Wall Street Journal recently published a piece based on zero evidence that ran cover for Israeli claims about UNRWA, which helped justify the U.S. pulling aid at a time when Palestinians in Gaza are starving to death. That piece, too, was co-authored by a so-called journalist named Carrie Keller-Lynn with undeniable biases. She, too, served in the IDF and in an interview bragged about how her very close friend literally created social media for the IDF. Those are her words, not mine. Once these photos that you can see on your screen started circulating, Carrie Keller-Lynn also locked her accounts, scrubbed her history to prevent anyone from gathering further insights into her pro-Israel bias. Wow. Now, this incident casts in a whole new light. The studies would show systematic bias across major news outlets when it comes to coverage of Israelis and coverage of Palestinians. Israelis are slaughtered. Palestinians just mysteriously die. Great pains are often taken to make sure that Israel is never directly ascribed blame. And as the Palestinian death toll has climbed, the coverage of their deaths has actually plummeted. It is a testament to the outrageous nature of the suffering that in spite of this onslaught of lies and propaganda, the American people still overwhelmingly support a ceasefire. Even or not, with her skills as a filmmaker, with an Israeli intelligence background, can't craft propaganda strong enough to overcome the visceral horror of what has been done. All right. Same point. Genocide. 15,000 children. There's no narrative that can make that go away. Now, to, to reiterate, since I have some comments in the chat and so on, I, to be very clear, like I said, I, I just, I, I, you know me, I don't trust anybody. <laughs> I don't trust anybody. At the end of the day, like I said, I, do, I, I, I distrust her less than I do with some of the others. But at the end of the day, I think I see her as very mainstream personally. But to the point in the chat, I mean, she has been calling this out. I, I didn't say otherwise. And I think that's fantastic. And I give her credit for that. And I think what worries me is not necessarily like, I, I mean, I hope I was clear that I think this is an excellent clip. I think the, the, the breaking down of the information is good. The only question I'm asking is just why is, it ha- is not have to be, but with all the people that have been saying exactly that since the first week with evidence to back it up about Hannibal Directive, about lies we've shown you about all sort of 40 bedded babies. Right. Again, taking the good example of in electric intifada, they were one of the earliest people on Gray Zone and Mon- Wanda Weiss for like exposing that with real evidence. And yet that didn't really go anywhere. Not in the sense like this. I, t- I just want us to reflect on that. I, and I'm not even saying that that's her fault. I just think it's interesting the way that we see very clear examples of controlled flows, even in ways that seem like we're breaking through. It's like, Again, I just think that there's always levels of, you know, let us win, but in the way they want you to. Like, so it's managing the loss. Like I talked about the other day, right? Just think about that. So bringing this over to last two points here, 
Aaron Mate points this out, and I think it actually, I, I can't tell if it actually comes from Low Key's investigation on this or which, whichever way it started, but Aaron Mate writes, guess who was an advisory board member for Zaka? Like one we just talked about, right? The group that has been seeding these lies from the beginning. You won't remember this guy we talked about? The scam is the scam Israeli rescue group that was spreading October 7th claims. He continues, including beheaded babies, mass rape, and so on. It's this guy, which his name was, I think he says it in this video. I forget, damn, I forgot the name on top of his head, top of my head. But remember, this was the guy that was hassling the, the vendors, the Palestinian vendors, who was telling him, Oh, I'll send you to Egypt. You can have your fingernails pulled out. Like this is a this guy was Obama administration. He's been in behind some of the I'll, I'll let the video speak for itself. The point is, it's interesting that he tried to pretend like, oh, I was just kidding and you know, didn't think it would get out anywhere. It turns out he is directly tied to the groups who have been lying and propagandizing. And what it speaks to is a systemic problem, not a big surprise there, to our government, not only with racism and these kind of policies, but, I mean, literally everything we're talking about. Starvation campaigns, illegal sanctions, occupation. Like, these are the people that have been behind the Blunt that what 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 this government and these powers have been doing in the Middle East, the absolute destruction of lives, societies for a very long time. And at the complete expense of all these people, while pretending you're doing it for those people. I wonder where Israel gets it from, right? Let's play this clip. We've all seen this footage of Stuart Seldowitz abusing a street vendor in New York. If we killed 4,000 Palestinian kids, you know what? It wasn't enough. But who is Stuart Seldowitz and what has he been a part of for all of these years? Stuart Seldowitz, the three-time recipient of the State Department's Superior Honor Award. He served in the State Department in their Office of Israel and Palestine Affairs as Deputy Director during the Bush years. This racist man had a role in managing the lie of the two-state solution. The two-state solution that was the subterfuge through which Palestinians have been continually battered by years of Israeli occupation. The PR drive around the world, the mirage for a future that never existed. Stuart Seldowitz also was a national security advisor to President Obama, the same President Obama who led the NATO intervention of Libya, which saw the country bombed 7,000 times in a six-month period that led to Libyans trying to escape and drowning in the Mediterranean. His words are not just frivolous sentences coming out of the mouth of a racist. They are actual policy. Osama Laden in Egypt will get your parents. Go, go, go. Does your father like his fingernails? They'll, they'll take them out one by one. When he speaks so easily of fingernails being removed by pro-Israel and pro-US dictators, he is not simply using poetic flair. He means people have their fingernails removed by those who are merely satraps of the US empire. What we heard on the streets of New York was an articulation of what has been effectively US policy towards the region throughout the time that that gentleman has been employed by the US State Department. But beyond the outrage and the immediate association of Stuart Seldowitz, with the US government, Obama and Bush, and bipartisan necropolitics of US empire, let's also look at the place that listed him as an employee 
at the time of his harassment of this man on the streets of New York. Stuart Seldowitz was listed as an employee of Gotham Government Relations. This is a lobby group for hire that has very close connection to the Israeli government. Shai Franklin, a key figure at Gotham Government Relations, was simultaneously employed by the Israel Kosovo Chamber of Commerce and has gone to great lengths to state his support for Israel throughout this horrendous war on Gaza, even helping to organize pro-Israel demonstrations that were attended by Seldowitz himself. In addition to that, you have the case of Gary Ackerman, a US congressman registered as an employee of Gotham Government Relations. Now, when Gary Ackerman was in US Congress, his relationship with AIPAC was so close and so well known that he even intervened and assisted in the release of an Israeli prisoner of war. You also have Gotham government relations on record attending a celebration for Israel's 70th anniversary at the United Nations alongside Danny Danon, Israel's ambassador to the United Nations. You also have Gotham government relations working for Donald Trump in his first presidential campaign. And during that time, it was alleged that Gotham government relations paid actors $50 each to be part of a cheering crowd for Donald Trump, the president-to-be. Stuart, Isn't that interesting? Point is, that's always happening. On all sides, really. That's all. That's the game. But think about how that's happening now. They must be drowning in how much money they're spending, even as they lose the narrative to try to force people to lie online. I wonder how much these propagandists are getting paid. What do you think? Seldowitz is not an aberration. He is part of a wider push across these last decades that have seen genocidal wars visited upon people of Western Asia, the Middle East, and further afield. It has seen people of Afghanistan eviscerated by NATO's occupation. It's seen people of Iraq bombed with depleted uranium, which would ensure that future generations were likely to be born in horrific circumstances and an increase of cancer, which was even larger than that left in Hiroshima. The wars that Stuart Seldowitz and his government exacted upon the rest of the world caused unspeakable human suffering. And so the ideas that we hear and revile at when he spoke them to a street vendor in New York were not merely poetic flair, they were actual policy. Alternatives like Double Down News, who engage directly in a critical way with the issues of the day. Bottom line is you can support him with the link on this thumb that put the show. I wish he wasn't using Patreon, but either way, I think Loki's doing some pretty good work, man. And I'll leave it there for today. And I think that it's very, very, very clear, which I don't need, it's again to the point to where I even wonder if I'm wasting time continuing to try to highlight how obvious this is when it seems like I may only be arguing with the people, the politicians who don't care about the truth, as you all seem to agree, we all see it. I can't tell yet, but I mean, we're going to keep following this, but it's just very, very clear what's going on. And again, that's the point that's really ha- causing so much. It's what makes this so difficult for people who are, who, 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 
been brought up to think that they can affect the outcome, who are watching this thinking, hey, I'll just call my politician. I'm not okay with this. And they don't care. You know, and that we can see that the populations are speaking up and they're protesting and they don't care. They didn't care in the past. So this is where we need to find these new steps forward on how we actually achieve this, especially with a government that doesn't care what you think. But in this moment, for me, it's about trying to stop what we're watching happen, trying to minimize the amount of suffering happening to these people. And not just the Palestinian people, obviously, but the, the Sudanese people, the people in the Congo, people that are suffering because of these same political actions, the same belligerent foreign policy. But I think it's important to end in general on the fact that we are doing that. You know, it's it's not that we're just going to see a blanket stop because they're like, oh, you caught us. You know, we see that you see us. They're going to go harder when that happens. And we know this. We can see that the, the, the end to that game of giving up would be jail, possibly, put, you know, any number of, you know, depending on where you're in the country, being put to death or in the world, I mean, for what they're doing, committing genocide. And I think that they're going that's it's the whole cornered animal analogy. So we're going to see these people push harder. But I think it's important that we recognize that our actions are directly achieving change. Now, that's different than our actions and our, our wants and desires affecting the outcome. Our governments don't seem to care what we want in regard to their policy, but by speaking up around the world, and I don't mean just being countries and areas and counties, I mean collectively like the peoples of the world standing up and marching and, and in some cases influencing positions of power to speak up, we're directly influencing the awareness around that, which in and of itself is influencing what they're doing. Not to their policy, but in the real time, whether what they're able to get away with, what they're able to, and, and, and I think that in a way might begin to lessen their willingness to continue to murder people, especially if the U.S. government can be pushed into to stopping funding, stopping you know, sending weapons. So over, overall, just recognize that it's a powerful moment that the Palestinian people have been screaming for attention, rightly so, for a very long time, and they finally have it. The only difference is whether Israel is going to stop because of this foreseen repercussions. And I think that's what we need to strive for. In any case, thank you for caring about innocent people, which is, a, I mean, I frankly don't think it's as prominent as we may think today. I think it's a lot of this is also about politics, but I think we're seeing a lot of averages and people that haven't been really tapped into this, like that girl I'll talk about on the show who just, it just it's, it's overwhelming because they've never really seen this. They finally recognize this and it's just uncomfortable. And then you get attacked by people who don't want you to acknowledge the reality. So it's, it's a hard time, but just recognize that you are changing the world for the better simply by existing, just by believing that people need to, you know, by being the good person that you are and believing that we can make a difference. You're changing the world just by being that person. So act in those ways, like we talked about the other day, the, the, the small individual actions, or I think I might have said this on an interview, you know, but the, the best way to make change is just be that person. That's the whole be the change analogy. People will see that you're being that person and they'll hopefully try to rise to the occasion. And one by one, you continue to influence the world around you. And I think we're doing that with this community. We're doing that with the conversations we have, showing people that there is another choice. You don't have to, you know, hide who you are because someone's going to attack you for being less or this or uh, you're not manly enough or whatever. Just be who you are. Unabashedly be who you are and fight for the things you know are right. Changing the world one person at a time. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.